you lot. You're listening to Garage Hammer, episode 77. On tonight's episode, the Monlings talk about the difference between a hobby gamer and a competitive gamer. Because apparently the fat Monling doesn't know what he was because he went and won something one time and now who knows what's going on with those wolves. So just shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. We're going to make several promises for the next uh, three hours, two and a half. Or thereabouts, we're going to do the best we can to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you casual play, tournament experience, and some bitchy nuisance. I'm Chris Yu. And I'm Alan Alda. I still don't get that. <laughs> Not you know, for a second. Somebody, I don't buy it. Somebody on Twitter said, yeah, I hear it. And I'm just like, I don't know. But I think uh, over break, I might Netflix some old MASH episodes and try to get that cadence down. We should put a vote on the forum. Does David sound like Alan Alda? Yes, well, no. There, okay, well, there you I go. I bet you the majority will say no. Okay, folks, if you are on the Garage Hammer forums, please jump on to this episode thread, episode 77, and please cast your vote. Do I sound anything like Alan Alda, yes or no? I don't necessarily hear it, but you know what? Some people do, so... So there you go. And for those who don't I, know... I, I probably don't sound like Abraham Lincoln or Skip Stevenson or Tor Johnson either. 10 o'clock... Time for go, go to, to bed. bed. Yeah, but so, those are fiction, more or less, you know. They're not, you fictional, they're not fictional, but you could. We, we don't have any record of what Abraham Lincoln sounds like, so we can't compare. That's true. But we Whereas have Alan Stevenson Alda, and Thor uh, Johnson. Yeah, I suppose. But so, Alan Alda? I don't <laughs> get that for a second. And I'm going with the, uh, I'm going with the Daniel Day-Lewis uh, Abraham Lincoln. Because by all accounts, the written accounts, he had sort of a reedy, wispy voice. So when you see Abraham Lincoln, hi, I'm Abraham Lincoln. Well, it's kind of, it's the Bill and Ted Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, that's that's what I thought it would be. That's what most people think. Party on, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you, man? I'm okay. I'm I'm hanging in there. It's been quite a couple of weeks for me. You've had a rough week, man. When we get to the toolbox, you've got more like the uh, the medicine box. A little bit. (laughs) It's not not pretty. It's not pretty. I think maybe that should be the name of the show, Hobby Gaming and Itchy Nuisances. I think we did agree on that. That's right. I, I forgot about that. We're going to have to do that. Yeah, man, let me tell you, Itchy Nuisance, when cast with irresistible force, is debilitating. <laughs> I could not do anything. But we'll get to that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, why don't you, why don't you thank our sponsors? Yeah, with that, we'll thank our sponsors. So thank you to Unique Gibson Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, Cool Mini or Not's Dark Age, Mirrors Miniatures, GuildPainting.com, the Square Shooters game, and Battle Foam, protecting your army. Excellent. Yeah. So we got us a shout-out this week, my Ooh. friend. Uh, Travis. Travis Mays oh, uh, yeah. was at Bits, and you know he basically wanted to do it. He gave us, uh, you know, picked up a shout-out at mm-hmm. Bits. So he said, uh, I figured I'd drop an email for that shout-out from Bits3. I'm not sure how to phrase this. I just want to tell everyone who is at Bits or involved in Bits how much fun I had and how much I appreciate everyone's effort. It goes especially for Grant for putting on such a great event. I really enjoyed myself, and I'm already looking forward to next year. Oh, so, that's a great shout-out. That is a great shout-out. Um, I Okay, we've got like this fast and furious like pile of like voicemails come in in the last week and we might have had another shout out come in but i i I was like looking through the emails so if if anyone did go in for a shout out and you haven't gotten it yet please drop an email uh you know garagehammer at live.com and just be like hey 
Where's my where's my shout out? Because I may have missed one inadvertently. Hmm. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, we have a couple of voicemails. Ooh. Tell we, me about voicemail. Now, if someone wants to leave a voicemail, how could they do that? Well, you pick up your phone and you dial one seven five seven G H O six. That's one seven five seven G H O six. Call us up and uh, leave us a voicemail. Pretty much, excuse me, whatever you want, and um, as long as it's you know air worthy and it's clear enough, we will play it. it. Doesn't even have to be clear. Google Voice will take care of that. Oh yeah. So here, in fact, <laughs> we got the first one here. Coming in from Jamie Searle, who has uh, sponsored the show before. So let's listen to this voicemail right about now. Hey, Tom. This is Jamie Searle. I brought you sponsorships before, such as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme tune and the cast of Garage Hammer quoting Conan the Barbarian. So now I want to come with another sponsorship and say every time they can get Grant Fetter on the show... It's a Anakeno, because it's awesome. I'll give a dollar to the children's charity, to the Cranky Lawyers team. Um, that's between now and the next bit. I figure that's there. So hopefully we can hear plenty of great taglines from Mr. Fetter. Anyway, love the show. Still listen to it all the time, even though I haven't played Warhammer in almost two years. And you guys are great. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so he's going to donate a dollar to Cranky's Charity every time we can get Grant to come on and say... Every time Grant comes. And, okay, yeah. <laughs> to say what he needs to, to say. To say what he needs to say. Great. <laughs> well, how does that... So, how does that work with Cranky's deal? Well, Cranky's deal is only for up until bits, if you remember. Which is Between done. then and bits, which is done. So now, every time between now and I guess whenever it's until done, the next bits. Well, you said, said the next bits, but the, I mean the, the until the event. But the event is in October, so I'm okay. assuming till October actually. Um, then uh, he'll give a dollar every time Grant says that to Cranky's charity. Okay. Now this is it's da, 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 Google voicemail time. We need theme music for the Google voicemail <laughs> segment. Oh, and we got to get the thing hooked up to the YouTube so we can do our uh, our little rap, our new rap, because the new rap's got to come. It's good. So here we go. What you just heard is now by according to Google Voicemail, this. Hey Rachel, it's Jenny. So a couple of people ships to four digit the first place, but I think you did. I the cost of starch. I'm not going to go down the ball bearing, and I wanted to come to the Doctor Stone and hey. Every time I can get from Facebook showed, heyday. I can your goals. I'll give a call back to the children's charity to the crack. You know what it takes. That between now and the next day, I think it up that so hopefully I get it. Lindsay, the way sideline. From your facts anyway, love the show and the listen to the old point it I'll buy one would like to hear. Add... You'll like to correct. Thanks, bye. Well, the important line got through. I love the show. There you go. <laughs> uh, that last one was hard. Okay. From your facts anyway, love the show. In the listen to the old point, it I'll buy one would like to hear. That's hard to say and make it actually a sentence. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Google Voice. Um and then we did have one last one. So before we do our commercial break, we got one. And this one's uh, from Nickel. 
Um, I had some erroneous uh, descriptions of our our game at Bits, and so he just wanted to call up and and, and straighten out a few things. So I'm going to play uh, Nichols' message right now, and that will uh, get us through the voicemail segment. So one moment. Hi, Jammer. Hey, this is Nickel. I wanted to give you a call about your latest episode, talking about Bits coverage. I you guys did a great job. I uh, did want to talk to Dave about our game a little bit. Seems to have forgotten that I only had one skull cannon. I didn't want to be that guy. There was a lot of them at the tournament, but I didn't want to be him. Second, in that big uh, graveyard comment with his lord, he was right. That, that overrun was really, really big, and he didn't make it. But charged in with my horde full of letters, my demon friend, and a sword skull cannon. And I popped his ear all the way down to his lord had one wound left. And in the previous turn, his... I killed him below his BSB, but he had passed the ward save, and had he failed that ward save, that BSB would have, wouldn't have saved that lord from that one last wound, which was within 12 inches. And then, in the following turn, I had to take a break check uh, for my demon friends, and I'd only lost by one, and then I rolled a 12. So I rolled the, the box cars, popped my demon friends all the way uh, back to the warp. Uh, and had I not... The next turn, you know, my strength six on his on his vampire lord could have dropped that last wound. But yeah, it was a great game. I appreciate the uh, recap. Appreciate the show. Keep up the good work. Uh, I just wanted to call in and uh, give you my take on the game. Uh, Dave played an awesome game. Getting my soul grinder tied up. I knew it was going to happen, but I had to I had to risk it just to get that one shot on the graveyard. And I think I ended up killing like eleven with one one of my strength five flamethrower shots. So in the end, I think it was worth it. Have a good one, guys. Yeah. Now, that was like I mean, it was a, a, a nice voicemail. Um, I could Google translation that one, but it's really long, so we're going <laughs> to skip the Google translation because it was a two-minute message, and it was seriously it was like a half a page of text, and Google got it. No, I mean, there was nothing Not even close, even, even close. So, but uh, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan, for calling in, and I'm I'm glad you enjoyed the game. And uh, and um, dude, I had a, I had a great game. That was one of my more fun games. I know he was laughing because I told him the night before when I found out I was playing him. I'm glad I'm playing his demons and not his high elves. And people, <laughs> do you think he's a better player with his high elves than his demons? I think his, I think I think he's a great player with both. But those high elves, when I played him, he just dismantled my army. Like I didn't really have a, much of a chance. Whereas, because he runs a no magic corn demon list, mm-hmm. and my list is a little bit magic dependent, so I was able to you get a little edge in that phase. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. He did roll up a, a free unit on his rolling his magic. <laughs> That's always nice. Yeah. Um, but is I just I feel that w- with my army with my VC, I have a better chance against Ryan's demons. corn demons than I have at, at, against his. Uh, High elves, but I mean seriously, think about the you know the few years we've been playing this. Who would you ever help think? We always bring in demons and not high elves. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, that's a good. I, I like that. That's a good juxtaposition. Exactly. Exactly. So that's uh, that's all our voicemails, and thank you everyone who sent in a voicemail. We love getting voicemail. I do want to add one little amendment. Oh sure, sure. There sure. was uh, someone, a gentleman. Past show, I had mentioned uh, someone had a YouTube video that where they showed. Uh, the Phoenix conversion? Converting a Phoenix out of the, the Griffin 
etc. Right, uh, right, right. And right. that person actually he listened to the show and he emailed me. And he he said, "Hey, did you was that my video that you mentioned?" So I just want to plug his name, Kieran Dunleavy. Okay. Uh, so thank you, Kieran. If you want to check out his video, go to YouTube and, and type in "High Elf Phoenix Conversion." Okay. And his video will come up right up. So you'll get the leftover Phoenix parts, combine that with the Griffin from the Island of Blood, and you'll get a second model out of that kit. Wow, I'm going to do that then because we have one Phoenix and I have like three unbuilt Griffins because I got like Harrison and I each got an Island of Blood set and then somebody yeah. else sold me like a bunch of their parts. So yeah, I have two waiting in the wind. If uh, if we get a link, to, if I can if I can find it on YouTube, which I should be able to find it. I'm not computer illiterate. I'll if I can remember it, I will put a link in the in the list in the show notes. It was actually in the High Elf review. I added it in the High Elf review. Oh, okay. No, but we can certainly add oh, we'll it. We'll put again. it up again. Sure. It's it's worth another look. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll um, save you forty bucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. What else? I guess that's it. Why don't we take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, news and rumors and the toolbox. Sounds good. Brian Steele, creative director of Dark Age Games and editor-in-chief of Ravage Magazine U.S., wants the Garage Hammer fans to head on over to CoolMiniOrNots.com and find some of the best games and miniature artistry assets the industry has to offer. From professional painting DVDs, art supplies, and a variety of amazing miniatures, from an assortment of different companies, whether you're adding to your own army or starting up a new game like Dark Age, Cool Mini or Not has what you need. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. <laughs> what was that, like a Bella Lugosi back? I don't know what that was, but it beat yours because your mic was My off. Mic you, was said it. <laughs> you are like the king of forgetting to turn your mic on. Before, I know. Well, I'm so careful to turn it off. Well, that's true. You do that, and it, you do indeed. So, hey, let's get to news and rumors. Brought to you by the Circle City Circuit. Um, Lizards. In yeah, look, these uh, broke last night, as far as I could tell, on Twitter. Bunch I, of photos. I saw, and they, well, I, I saw a bunch of fuzzy pictures that looked something like lizards. <laughs> yeah, some of them I, were, I was able to make out. So by the time you guys hear this, uh, those photos will probably be a little bit more realized. Well, if this goes out within a day of this going out, the uh, new white dwarf is coming we'll out. Will be out. So okay. the pictures will be everywhere. 
Um, so you, you don't have an opinion then? Were they too you know what? fuzzy I, for you to make out? I've stopped having opinions until I actually see the models. Just you know, I've said this before. They look kind of stupid in the picture, or the paint job looks weird, and then you see them in person, and you're like, "Wow, I like that model." Um, I I have no problem with them having a bunch of new big lizards, um, dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're they're monster heavy. Yeah, a lot of different options for monsters. But that makes sense to me because yeah, in the, the jungles, it's yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's not even the way they're just not even just the way they're trending. It's they're saurus and skinks and li- I mean they're dinosaurs. Basically, some form of dinosaur and or just giant lizards. So, so I do like what I've been hearing about. I, there, apparently, there's a level four skink priest now, so you don't have to take a oh, slant. Nice. Um, apparently, the the slant are going to get a, a lore, their own lore. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm hearing. Okay. Have you heard anything about the power level of the slant? Does he get like brought down back to I Earth. Just, well, okay. If they do with this book what they've done with every book, which is try to even it out, he's got to come down. Or his points will go or up, which will make it harder. Yeah, right. because that's. I mean, the slam is just amazing. It really is. If you trick it out, which most people do, the party slam. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just it's crazy. Rough. I hate playing against that thing. It's. It can be really hard. Uh, I played against it this weekend, and had my opponent not had. A couple of three dice magic phases, I would have been in real trouble. Well, it's it's all the things that uh, you know. He, he takes away your sixes when you roll them. Right now, I don't think he might had that, but yeah, you can have but that. You, you can, you can bounce miscast too, and, and you know, make you eat his miscast. Yeah, no, it's vicious. Ugh. But you know what? I I will say this. I hate playing against it, but I like it fluff wise. The slander is supposed to be the greatest. I mean, they're the ones I who agree. taught the yeah, elves. Sure. So you think, wow, the elves have really good, like, I think the elves have some pretty darn good magic in their new edition. But the slanters, I mean, that's what they They're are. They're kind of the originators. Yeah. I mean, they should be, um, you know, just a magical powerhouse. You know, everyone's got their thing, and that's... That's their thing. That's so their I, thing. I agree with you, but game-wise, yeah, it is game such wise, a it's so hard to play against. That's why you see them in every list. I Once again, what do I want to see out of the Lizardmen book? I want to see a, a, a book with lots of choices and no obvious one pluses in every list. So kind of what they did with the High Elves, with the Orcs and Goblins. We yes. have a lot of versatility. Lots of stuff, lots of options. List builds. But, you know, I don't want to see, and I hate to go to this as an example, um, but, you know, like Mornfang Cav. Mornfangcav are the one plus choice in a in a in a ogre army, and it's not even that the other choices suck. It's just that that is so it's much, such a standout choice. It's so it just yeah, it's head and shoulders above the other choices that it becomes a one plus. I'd rather see, and I'm not saying tool back the Mornfang, but if if they were a little more expensive or a little less tough, then you might see some of those other a little bit more parity. Yeah, yeah I'd like no. to just see those other options show up, and as long as you see start to see that in the. Uh, that's a good point. One. That's a good point because the other recent books, there is no like obvious selection. There's there's a lot of good ones. I mean, well, but there's I no mean, one standout as far as I can tell. I mean, there's a couple. I uh, you know, warriors have their skull crushers. crushers. Um, uh, they're good, but I don't think they're over the top. Demons have the skill cannon, which is, I mean, that's yeah, that's no, skill that's true. I suppose the Hiles have the uh, Frost Hearts. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, but still, I I think I think of all of them lately, I think the skull cannon with the with the high power and ridiculously low cost makes it that 
almost a two plus in every yeah. army if you yeah. if you don't if it's not comped out. Can regrow wounds. Oh, exactly. I mean, not, it's, it's not no slouch in combat. Right. So, uh, I mean, there's just there. I mean, there are some things that are better than others, and I don't have a problem with that. It's just it's you know when you when you don't have something that's so obvious, then you don't have to see it in every list you play against. And I think that's the most fun is when you get to see a variety in your in well, it's list. Fun. It makes it more fun for everyone, right? So, my backup, my backup army between vampires and dwarfs is still it's still a toss up between demons and lizards, and I'm waiting to see this book to see which way I fall. I'm still leaning heavily towards demons because I like the random and the fun factor, ah, and the fluff right, factor. Right. That just that type of game where you know you get off this crazy something and then something boom pops and happens. I think uh, Futter is thinking about lizards too. Is he? Yeah. So well, you guys will have to have a lizard off. That's great. You are me, Grant, and Sally Joe. It depends. If they're filthy, I bet you Grant will take them. Hi, oh, Grant. I guarantee you. Hey, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Rellion can face off with their filthy. There you go. They can have a filth fest. <laughs> Roll around in mud together. Uh, I'm just teasing Grant. I just want to put that out there. Uh, but uh, so, what else have we got coming up? I mean, we've obviously we got lizards. Um, there was some stuff I don't know if you saw, and I'm not quite sure exactly how recent it is. But there was some stuff that popped up on Forge World. That, yeah, that Dreadmaw. Have you seen that? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was cool too. Is that the one that? No, that that's the Murworm I saw. The Dreadmaw is the different thing. Okay, yeah. No, the, the, the Dread the Dreadmaw is like this big. It's a it's a worm, like a dragon yeah. type thing coming out of the, the ground. Right. So you don't and see the whole body. Huge mouth. Yeah. Opening going. It was it was from what I saw, and I only got to look at it for a minute or two because I was just flicking through. It was it was it was pretty cool. I like a lot of this Forge World stuff. The stuff that they're doing with the monstrous Arcanum and these just these bizarre, crazy monster sculpts. Even even the worst of them are kind of cool. Yeah, I like them too. You know, yeah, they they offer good alternatives. They they did release the Empire Command set. I don't know if yeah. you saw that too. That was really well done. And that's and that's more like uh the the I think the the dwarf command set that I picked up, which isn't the champion musician standard bear. It's like a general, a BSB, and another guy. Oh, is that what it is? It's not standard. I I think if I if I saw it correctly, because I didn't get to look at it for too long. If, I mean, the one guy has a huge banner. I think he's the BSB. I think is that's, he, he yeah. could easily be a good BSB. I can see that. Right. But those Empire, that Empire range on Forge World is nice. Oh yeah. I wish yeah, they would yeah, do yeah. that for for more stuff like that for the High Elves. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm wondering what else is going to come out because Forge World has not done. You know, I mean, they've had, you know, not a huge amount of stuff come out. It's been mostly monsters and stuff like that, and um, I'd like to I'd like to see more. I'm I'm very excited because apparently you know if if they come out with that next book, if it's the Skull Pass, it's going to be orcs and 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 dwarfs. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be absolutely. Another awesome. thing I wish they would do is you know how for, for their 40k line they do a lot of like weapon upgrades and armor upgrades, like customization helmets and stuff like that. I wish they would do that more for fantasy. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean that would be really awesome to to see some of those upgrade stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see. Um, each character is detailed. Uh, You're looking at the Empire. Yes, command set. The ba- though it is. It says the dutiful battle standard bearer, whose sun motif mir- on his coat of arms mirrors that on the banner, a raving flagellant, who sports nails piercing the flesh of his arms, and so yeah. So it's a general, a BSB, and a, a really over the top flagellant. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, 
That is cool. That's yeah. a, well done. I like that set a lot. Yeah. That uh, command set. That Empire commands, yeah, it is really, it's top notch. I can't complain about it at all. It's, uh, some of the, some of the work on that is fantastic. And yeah, the Dreadmaw. Okay, you know what? I didn't see the Dreadmaw. I'm looking at it now. I, I saw the, the picture of it in the White Dwarf, like the, uh, the coming soon. Okay. And just the, all the, all the wiring hooked up to hold the parts of the mouth together while uh, they were sculpting okay. it. Cause it does, it does have that bizarre open with that rings and rings of teeth yeah, going yeah. inside. It's, that's cool. That it, is, a it very, is neat. Yeah. It's a, that is a really neat model. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pleased with what I'm seeing there. Still looking forward to the next book, the next Warhammer Forge, uh, book. But it's going to be Orcs and Dwarfs, so you know not only am I going to buy that and we're going to be reading it, but you and I are going to be playing some campaign game. Orc and Dwarf. I think we're going to have to run that campaign. I'm I'm good with that. That might be fun. I'll tell you, my Orcs are sick of playing Undead, because they get their (laughs) butts handed to them every time. Okay, look on the bright side. I'm not going to be playing Undead for much longer. I'm going to be switching over to something or other. I've been playing them now for two years. I initially took them in January and said I'm going to... Start painting these guys and take them till Adepticon. Uh, two years later, Point solid, yeah, still right. Been playing them. Jeez, I really love that army. I love that army more than I thought I would. I really well, do. I, I mean, you should. I mean, you're going to be playing it, investing time in it. Yeah, I mean, I love playing all the armies. I mean, I can have fun playing pretty much any army in the list. Um, because I love the game and right. I just love the fluff and I can enjoy any of it. But I have had a heck of a time playing with this VC. Like, I've actually gotten good with it, and I know what to play with it. And uh, it's We should revisit our our High Elf VC games, because those are fun. And my new list, I'm anxious to try out against you and Grant. And, and I'd everyone. definitely play it. I'd love to play some against the new High Elves. I've only had, like, two games, and I've got my butt kicked. But that's okay. You know, it's, I'll get better. So... There you go. Uh, I guess that's about it. Um... Shall we move on to the toolbox? Yes. Brought to you by... Chaos Orc Superstar. 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 Chaos Orc So. Minty fresh. Yeah. So, you've been doing some hobbying. Oh, and I want to say we got our models from Mears Miniatures. Yes. So, thank you, Mears Miniatures. Yes. And, wow, we got some cool models. Yeah. You got the... The Wyvern. The Wyvern. As, uh, in addition to the Elven Battle Standard Bearer and the Orc Shaman. Right. That Orc Shaman's pretty hot. I didn't know until I actually looked at it. I mean, you see them in the, on, online and they look cool, uh, but holding it in your hand and getting yeah, to see the really detail. Yeah, they're really well detailed. I mean, I don't wow. know how they did it, but they're, they're so well sculpted. Uh, and I, I have the Wyvern here. I brought... I'd like to see you. it, yeah, because I know you built it. I haven't had a chance to build what I got. I got the uh, the Chimera... And the, uh, oh, what was the other thing? I got the Chimera and the, was it the Manticore? Yeah, the Manticore. Manticore, okay. That Chimera is so cool. And the Manticore is anatomically correct, which I didn't realize until <laughs> I was so, looking at so it. far like, as it could be. <laughs> well, I mean, dang. So, this is a cool, I really like this model. Yeah, the Wyvern I, I like this Wyvern. You know, the reason I like it so much is because it's uh, animalistic, for lack of a better term. Right. Whereas some of the GW kits, like the, the High Elf Dragon, are a little bit on the fantastical side or cartoony side. Right. Where that looks like, not, not realistic, but it looks like it could exist in well, it's nature. Got that, yeah, well, yeah, because it, it looks like it, it has 
features that look like a real lizard. The scales look realistic. Mm-hmm. The little pouches on the mouth. I mean, granted, you know, the wings, the winged arms, obviously not. Sure, right. But even they look like they, they almost look like you know bat wings. Right. Exactly. It's a cool model. Now I have noticed that. Um, and you're having the same thing I've noticed when I'm trying to put that together. We're going to have to sort of green stuff up. Oh, these. Yeah, yeah. It's not an exact fit. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a close fit, but there's certainly going to have to be some green stuff work that's going to have to be done. And, At the joints. Yeah. And I, I think I would do that anyway just to reinforce it because I can see this thing, you know, if it gets knocked over or whatever, a wing coming it's, off. It's resin too, though. So if you use the crazy glue, it fuses resin. Like, it actually will melt it and reseal yeah, it. It so doesn't the, break as often. The gaps are so big. The gaps that, are kind of big. They yeah, need it's going to call for the, green stuff. But it, but it weighs like half an ounce, too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty just, light. It's, it's pretty light. But it's, you know, I've always loved my dragons, and this, I think, right. fits the bill for me. So I think what I'm going to use it, this thing for, not for a wyvern, necessarily. Oh, why not? Well, <laughs> I know why. <laughs> well, I think I might use it for as a dragon mage. Really? Yeah. You'll put a mage on the back of that one. Well, yes, but it will be detachable, so I could take take the guy off and put the uh, the warrior, the prince version of the, oh, okay. the elf on there, so I can swap it out. But yeah, I'm thinking Dragon Mage. Yeah. See, I I just the, the it's the fluff behind it. When I finally was reading what a wyvern, it's more of a it's a it's sort of a corrupted evil form of a, yeah. a lesser meaner dragon. Right. So, like, of course, you would never see an elf on a wyvern. Right. Well, see, the thing is, you know, when you look at this, does it say wyvern? It doesn't. I only know it is because I know that's because you know name, what it is. So right. That's yeah. So the to, only thing that kind of gives it away is the tail, because the it, you know wyvern typically has a a stinger for right. a tail. But I think no. it, I think you pass. A lot will depend on the paint I, job. You know what it is? It's not even that it's a wyvern. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think of as I'm looking at it. It's when you see the the elves on the dragons that the elves ride. I mean, dragons are all big and scary and terrifying. Right. But I guess the high elf dragons have a bit of a, a noble stance and a yep. posture to yep. them, whereas the wyvern has a much more sort of aggressive, beastly yes type of look. Yeah. Yes. I, I agree with you. But that's why I, I figure it could tie in with the dragon mage, where they're a bit more reckless and yeah, wild. especially if you go with the, the right color scheme. Obviously, right. you're not going to go green. No, no, probably not. I'm thinking. Red, maybe. I think I think a deep red going into a, an a, an orange golden, you know, underbelly nice and, and stuff. Yeah, oh. that would would actually go really well with a obviously with a with a dragon mage being the fire mages. I think that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what else have you been doing in the hobby? Uh, well, good question. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so I brought a sample of my dragon prince with the uh, customized sculpted base. Oh. So I wanted to run that past Oh, that's you. right. You've just started sculpting your bases. Yeah, with the Sculpey, and I've got like a pasta roller machine and a little template. Okay. Now, it's very subtle because it's not painted yet, so I can't see all the bits. But if I take the... Oh, that's I got pins in the feet so they can go in there. So you've got a... Oh, wow. you got it's almost like an a, intricate tile. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite a fleur-de-lis pattern. But it's yeah, it's like on a big. Uh, it's sculpted on the tile, and then you have it on top of this bit of the cork base. Mm-hmm. Now, can I ask what the cork is supposed to be underneath? Is the, cor- it- the cork would be like you know, rough gra- ground, broken earth. Oh, okay. Just to give it a little bit more texture, so you can see like the the broken, uh, right, marble sitting on top of the earth, just to make it a little more interesting. Then you can add static grass and yeah. whatnot. This is nice, man. I, I just wonder is, nice it, job. is it a little too tall for a model? I, well, I, I don't think it's too tall. Most of the most custom. Base jobs are going to be thicker. Yeah. 
And I'm just looking at it with, uh, obviously it's not painted, but right. there's the cork underneath the, the pinkish sculpey. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't know if the cork works under it. Mm-hmm. I'm certain it will when you're done. A lot of times you see the, op- you know what I'm saying? Right. Like you've brought over stuff before and said, what do you think of this color scheme? And I'm like, meh. And then you come in and it's like, oh my God, that's amazing when it's done. <laughs> okay. So, so it doesn't work for you because because why? Because the texture I, is wrong, or yeah, it just it seems like there's this really thick. Like I don't understand why this piece of tile is over all this thick dirt. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I I would think if, even if the tile broke something underneath it, I I don't know. Uh, I might just be like a flat dirt. This looks more like a thick gravelly thing. I'm okay. not trying to be critical. No, no, I'm I understand. Just, it's so it's like, it, and I'm certain you've got a vision in your head that I I'm do. Not I just don't. I just yet. don't know if it's realized or how it will look once I get there. Because I would think just have the tiles, and if you, I, I would just put the. If I were doing this, and once again, I'm not. My, uh, you you do this better than I do. Let's just put it that way. Flat well, out. That's, okay. that's debatable. Well, you're saying get, go without the cork. I would go just this without the cork, and I would have like just maybe grass coming up between the cracks. Yeah. I would actually go and really make sure that it's in between the cracks and not right. in, not on the cracks. You know, like uh, on your on your you, in your yard when you go out the driveway, yeah, yeah. And in between the bits of cement, there's grass, there's grass coming up. Yeah. So if there's a crack, you don't necessarily there's not a lot of dirt or ground coming through it. Right. Um, but you know the reason I do the cork is to also give me more options. So when I layer other things like bigger monsters, part of a you know a new display base or whatever, the cork is there as an option to. Give it some depth, um, and also you know be able to stack on this marble on top of it in different places. So sure, no, and like I said, I'd like to see one test base, com- like even not with the model on it, just the base itself done. That's what I'm planning on doing is all the bases at once. So next step is to do a test, a couple of test paints on yeah, bases. Yeah, I mean, because I, I mean, I feel bad sitting here. You've done all this work on it, so obviously, and I'm saying well, I don't you, know. You, if you, I like you're the 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 actually you're the first person that's seen it, so okay. And I could be dead wrong. I just, I, and I think part of it really is because you see them running over the tile, and you sort of expect this this place that they're running through. Right. And I think it's because it's that that tile is cut, and I don't see anything next to it. All I see is this thick layer of cork underneath it. Right. So it's like, I, I could see if I just see a little bit of cork on the top, but because it's so thick on the sides, like I don't feel like I should see under the t- like you know like if someone laid a foundation to a building, even if the foundation cracked, I wouldn't see a big pile of the of the underground underneath okay right that's I, I mean it's it's hard for me to explain what i'm thinking it's just it's just from the side it looks from the top it looks great from the side it looks a little odd maybe if they're all lined up next to each other mm. so that you don't see the cork from the sides as much right but you still see it as a unit you still to see it from the front and the sides right so. So, i mean i i don't know um so I don't know. I'll have to play with it and see. But you know, I'm, the, I next, just, the I, first step is to paint it. I think right. if I paint it and you see it in context, it'll it'll make a little bit more sense. Exactly. And so, um, yeah. I mean, and I almost feel bad saying. I mean, I don't. I don't want to be the guy who's just like, oh yeah, it looks great because it. The tile is amazing. I just don't know if the cork works underneath it. I guess that's all I'm saying. I, I hear you. I, I, the thing is, I think that cork is essential as I do other miniatures, and. Uh, and I think because to show that you know, like the the destroyed state of that tile, I think there has to be something under it, not just the black square base. Uh, you're right, and and if you just did gravel and then put that on top, it wouldn't work either. It wouldn't lay even. So right. I don't so know. I, I don't know. So uh, for I, me, the jury's still out. I'm gonna paint it, and we'll see how it looks. Mm-hmm. And you know, if go from do- there. If it doesn't work, and the only thing I think of is maybe a thinner 
bit of cork. That would be the yeah, only thing I would think of. I don't, I don't think they sell thinner sheets oh, of cork. I, oh, have to, oh have you'd, have to, you'd have to shave it. Right. That would yeah, be a huge one to do that. Well, once again, though, I'd, I'd like to see one finished tile. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the progress, it, it looks great so far. I'm just... You know, you ask my opinion. I want to be honest with you. I don't know how the court no, is working. I understand. With it. You, do you think you're the sort of person that needs to see? Well, maybe it's not a fair question. Is it easy for you to visualize, or do you have to see it in a more finished state? I can visualize it if I understand what you're trying to do. Like I kind of get what you're trying to do. It's right. just looking at it without any paint on it. It's hard know? to visualize. Exactly. Okay. Because the colors are such a weird contrast. You've got the pink tile, and you've got the the cork. Yeah, the which, color you have to kind of throw out. So. And the, yeah, and the cork. I think that's part of it. Is that is the the color of the cork doesn't look right underneath yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. I know you're gonna. It'll like sometimes it, yeah. even if you just go over with prime primer, it kind of pulls so it just, together. So that it just makes it one solid color, mm-hmm. and then you can just then. It's like when there's no color on it, I can kind of picture what it's supposed to look like in my head more easily yeah. than if there's other things on it. So I don't want to. I don't want to be negative. To your to your work. No, no, no. It's it fine. Always it's fine. turns out really good. Well, I, so. I want to elicit your, elicit your opinion. So, speaking of which, there's one more thing that I've been working on. I'm okay. To, and I tweeted this pic. I don't know if you saw that pic. I don't think I did. So we talked a little bit about you know modifying the spear elves for something different. So okay. So basically, I took an existing spear elf body and put, replaced the head with the uh, shadow, the new shadow warrior helmet. Okay. Which I quite like, but I wonder if it, that helmet looks a little too uh, sinister. It does a little bit, but I, you know, I do like it. But it, it kind of gives it an evil slant, almost a dark elf slant. It does. I think it's it, it, part of it is that it completely covers the face, right? Whereas the other elf helmets are taller and leave that face open. But I've never been a fan of that cone head helmet. That's the thing. I don't quite get the point of the giant cone helmet. I mean, I've come to get used to it and kind of yeah, like it. Yeah, me too. But originally, I really resisted it. When I first started playing this game, I'm like, ugh, cone heads all over the place. Yeah, and I, I don't know why, because their heads aren't that tall. Like, why do you need that giant helmet? I don't I guess it, it accentuates the, the tall, lanky physique? No Maybe? idea. I, I don't know. I do like what you've done with the spear. Yeah, so that's uh, aluminum wire. It's a little bit thinner and much a little bit taller than the, the typical spear. So I, I do like that. It's just the, yeah. the helmet I'm on. The, the bottom, the the bottom of the spear portion, like the actual blade portion of the spear. I'm holding the two models here. Uh your 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 basically the shaft of your spear is as tall as the entire regular spear, right? And so it, then, it's, a, it's like maybe about a foot taller. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking proportionally speaking, proportionally speaking, it's. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty tall, right? Yeah, so I I like it. Um, the helmets work, but. It does. It these your your converted one does look more sort sinister. Of evil. Yeah, right. sinister is a good word. Maybe for it. it maybe that would depend on how it's painted ultimately, if or what kind of adornments I add to the helmet. Well, I mean, I think just when they cover the whole face, all you see are the eye slits, and they're sort of in that angry eye slit, mm-hmm. uh, right. you know, angle. So yeah. I, no matter how you cut it, it's still going to look like he's angry. No matter how I many I cut know. it, I mean paint it. I think it's still going to have even painted. Do you think? I mean, it, it can be bright and it'll be less angry, but it's angry eye slits. And I think you know. Well, that's the thing. They're going off to war. Should they look aggressive and tough? Well, that's true. That's very true. So I don't know. So this is, I think, another test that I'm going to have to paint up and, and see how it looks. <laughs> I'm kind of at a big, you know, divergence. You know, which way am I going to go? I'm not quite sure. But it's a good place to be in because I have an already painted Hell Army that I can play with. Right. I just want something that I want to take to the next level. 
Yeah, and no, and that's really cool. Now you can take your time. You can convert, right? Make that a, you've already got spear elves. Now you can convert these on your own time, and then work them into your army mm-hmm. and bring it up to that next level. I do like it. So that's been it for me as far as hobby. Wow, you've done a lot. Um, I only did uh, three things, and I don't have them out here. I'll, I can show them to you later. I needed a BSB on a horse for Invasion Kenosha. I took my uh, Mirce Miniatures BSB. Uh, they have a White King standard bear. And I basically took a Black Knight model, and I cut off the the legs of the White King. And then just, you know, made him fit onto the, uh, you know, the legs and, and skeleton right. of, of Black Knights. Did that, did that freak you out? Did you have to cut that model in half? <laughs> yeah. Did that freak you out? A little bit. Yeah. I never cut a nice resin model before. It was it, it worked. I did it slow and I did it careful. Yeah. Um, and I got it on there and it worked. I mean, it actually, it, it once I filed down the, the, the two ends, it, they just, they were almost the same size even. It just fit on really easy. Um. I used him as a vampire BSB because no one can really tell. It's just unfair. Sure. But uh, I did him up like a black knight. I did the rusty armor. I'll tell you, it was the night before Invasion Kenosha. And uh, I had him already built and primed. But I just sat down, just did bone on them because it's not ethereal. So I did the bone. I did all the cloth in a basic green. I didn't do too many highlights or shading. Just get it yeah. on there. And then I did the rust on all the armor. And boom, he was done. He was done. Yep. It was a quick job. Um, not a beautiful job, but I did that, and I made two objective 40 mil. We had to have 40 millimeter round objective markers. Yeah, I, up until the point where I didn't know I was going to go. Right. Yeah, you know, I really struggled with that, because I have plenty of 40 millimeter square objectives. Mm-hmm. The, the, the round really threw me for a loop. What did you think about I that? I didn't know why they needed to be round. Like, I had no idea why, uh, I mean... Actually, since since you had to carry him around with one of your units, Square would have just lined up right next to it better. Huh. Uh, I have no idea why John wanted them round. Interesting. It doesn't bother me. I just I called up UGG and said, do you have any 40 mil round bases? And they had some. Uh, they're like, there's no slots. It's the, uh, the solid 40K It's the solid one so. from 40K. And I said, that's fine. Um, Harrison went into the bits box and found uh, a banner and a flag. And um, I did a big green stuff mound right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Stuck the flag right in it, <laughs> let it dry, painted it, covered the little hill in grass, and he had a banner just stuck in the ground. There you go. I painted it solid royal blue so it matched his army. There you go. Done. Uh, I bought a um, a, a wraith, one of the, the GW, the Cairn wraiths. I don't have one in my army, actually, so I just bought one, built it on the square base, mm-hmm. glued it to the round base. I was going to do that, too. <laughs> and then I green stuffed around the edges so it smoothed it out a bit. Yeah. And then I went into my bits box and took all the extra zombie heads for my mantic zombies because they come with extra heads. Yeah. And I just piled them up all over the race nice base. Mountain of heads. And huh? I just painted them up almost skull like, you know, not a lot of detail, just some, you know, some bleached bone and some dead rotten flesh. Uh, you know, had the ground paint and this had the race. So it looked like this big mound of like a, almost like a charnel yeah. pit with this, with this wraith coming out of it. That's cool. And cool. it, and I did all three of those. Well, okay, the uh, the BSB as I said was already built and primed, so I painted the BSB on the horse, and from scratch built, primed, and painted the two objectives in about three and a half hours. So, jeez. <laughs> so my speed my speed painting uh, is is really coming into <laughs> three. Okay, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> 
Those just did one while that was driving that turned the other prep, way. huh? Oh, it was it was pretty it was pretty hectic and crazy, but they really turned out pretty nice. So I was pleased with them. That's what I did with that. So uh have you done any reading? I know you got a new book. You I did, courtesy of Paul Wagner of previous Wisco Dice fame. He was kind enough to lend me uh Skarsnik, the Black Library book. Yeah. Which I just started reading. I don't know if you got it did you get a chance to tear through that? I don't have it. I didn't look through it, but he did say that when you're done, Harrison and I can read it oh, okay. if we want, since we won't see him for a little while anyway, right, and he's right. already read it. So Yeah, I, I started reading that, and it's it's actually a very engaging book. It's very interesting. I was curious if they were going to tell that story from the perspective of Skarsnik, but it's it's not. Okay. So that's, I was hoping they would do that, but I suppose that'd be a little tough from a literary point of view. How can right. you write from a non-human perspective? Right. Uh, but it is interesting. I'm only, you know, I just started the first couple chapters, but I, I do like it. But they really paint... The world of Warhammer is such a bleak, awful oh, yeah. place. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's awful. Uh, a lot of this stuff you're reading, it's like it's there's there's these pockets of little safety in this sea of insanity. Yeah, and that's yeah that happens quite a bit. But I, I tell you, the way that they write and describe goblins, they're much like more insidious and evil than the oh, model yeah. range would lead you to believe. <laughs> oh, I mean, they are nasty, those goblins. They're they're kind they're very Skaven esque in just how they're constantly scheming and plotting and ready to stab you in well, the it's face. Just, it's the level of cruelty that, that they have. I mean you, they're armed with basically you know, knives tied to the end of sticks. That's right. kind of what they're armed with. But the things that they do to their captives to, oh. to their captors and, and oh ugh, it's just it's just brutal. Oh, I'm looking forward to reading it then. Yeah. It's so far it's it's an interesting book. So thanks Paul for that. How about you? Any reading for you? I haven't been. Um, I've got. I've just. I mean, I'm finishing off the stuff for after Eleanor, but uh, I went down to get you guys all copies of the uh, to, to finalize and type up the campaign rules, and they're they were destroyed. Destroyed. What do you mean? Well, okay. In my basement, in the corner, is the printer that we print stuff up on. And oftentimes when my youngest is looking for paper, she'll take it off the printer. Well, apparently there was no paper in the printer. Right next to the printer is my desk with all my hobby stuff on it. And I had the papers just set on the desk so I oh, wouldn't she lose took them. Those? And she was like, oh, look, papers. And just Did you handwrite them or did you print it? I had some stuff written, some stuff printed. She was just looking for papers uh-huh. to make pretty projects on and wasn't really caring what it was. And so it just, I got. It's interesting that you don't type out your stuff. Well, I have notebooks and stuff, so I'll be sitting around reading stuff from other... Uh, You'll just jot down notes, longhand? Well, well yeah, because um, sometimes, like especially when I started working on this, I was at work, and so I didn't want to type it up and then have to email it to myself and then merge documents. I think if you're going to handwrite it, you do it the right way, with a quill and a parchment. Oh, do yeah. Do it by candlelight. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I've just, I've got my, uh, you know, the legal you your, You know, your feather on your head. <laughs> there you go, Exactly. <laughs> I sit there like some monk copying out yeah. the, the first letter in a nice illuminated letter. <laughs> <laughs> and no photocopies. I have to write out six copies to give each of, of the players That's so it. that they each have their own handwritten copy. Because I don't have enough nonsense in my life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're going to do it, do it right. Oh, it's, it's, I want you to roll your own papyrus. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Should I do this before or after the thousand zombies? <laughs> <laughs> Just do it at the same time. you got two hands. <laughs> Eat with your feet. <laughs> oh, oh, would that I could raise my legs and feet up that way and this belly didn't get in the way and stop me. <laughs> uh, but so that's it for the reading. Uh, other than that, um, I've just been watching, while I've been working, I've been putting on the Netflix. I've finally finished all the old Doctor Who, all the new Doctor Who, all the Torchwood. 
I found, in fact, the stuff that's not on Netflix for Torchwood, which is a spinoff of Doctor Who, but more a little bit more adult. Uh, it was on, uh, I have found it on demand on cable from Showtime. So I finally, they had a eight, 10 part miniseries called Miracle Day for Torchwood. That's not on Netflix yet. Okay. And it was the only thing I hadn't seen. And I came across it completely by accident on my on demand on cable. So I'm like, yay, I got to watch all of it. <laughs> Extra show. So, yes, I'm very excited. But that, that's all of my stuff as far as geek stuff goes. Okay. You know, I have been watching, uh, Different podcasts, Warhammer podcasts in particular, have mentioned this show, Downtown Abbey. Have you ever Downtown Abbey? Yeah, yeah. There's... Did you have you Heather's have watched, you watched all of it? it? I've watched some of it. Yeah. What do you What do you think of that show? Okay, I like that type of per- English period drama. Yeah. So I really enjoy the show. Like Heather and I can watch it. It's It's that weird British, you know, Victorian drama. Yeah. Drama. Yeah. You know? I, I liked it too, but what I don't get is. Why am I hearing about it on all the Warhammer podcasts? Because they're English? No. Maybe. Well, no, I just think because people, well, I think a lot of us have wives and girlfriends who are watching it. I would have never watched it except Heather was watching it. She's like, oh, David, you're going to, you got to watch it. You're going to love it. Maybe. So maybe I'm and just a victim of it. Because I, I watched it because all the people that I've heard on podcasts talk about it. I'm like, oh, must be good. There was a lot of hype for it on television, like uh, even on Twitter. Like I follow people like Patton Oswalt and a couple of other. You know, uh, celebrities, celebrities who will sit and live tweet during Downton Abbey. They're just watching it and loving the hell out of it. And I kept, I'm like, dude, is everybody but me watching this show? So that's where Heather's like, well, I'm going to watch it. And I'm like, well, it's on Netflix, so I'll watch it too. And okay. I mean, it's period drama. It's a soap opera, costume but it, but drama. But the thing is, all the stuff, all the drama that's happening is so unimportant. You know what I mean? It's a lot of stuff about nothing. Oh, yeah. In the grand scheme of things. Well, but that's the whole thing is everybody's got their place and people step out of their place and it's like, oh, right. oh my gosh. I know. No. He, he used the wrong fork at dinner and you're sitting <laughs> right. going, what? Right. But it's, it's that kind of, th- you know, it's, it's, it's a completely different world <laughs> from anything I'm completely. used to. Yeah. And it's weird because it's not something you think you'd like, but man, I get sucked into it. Well, you know, they really developed the characters really well. Exactly. And actually, you know, after the first couple of episodes where my wife and I watched it, I had a dream about some of the characters. Like, <laughs> oh, I think they're going to go this way with that guy. And I can't believe I was dreaming about Downton Abbey. It's, hey, but it's good. It is. Yeah, it is good. So that, the fact that I'm dreaming about it means those characters are really well developed. Exactly. So speaking of well developed characters, we talked about this off the air. You have to watch Breaking Bad. Please. I will. Do st- me that favor. I will. St- uh, as soon as I get this and after Eleanor. I'm not watching any TV until I get these things edited and out because I'm leaving for vacation in four days. So I got to get this done before I leave. But uh, I will bring my iPad with me, and I'm supposed to be able to get Wi-Fi up there, I heard. Okay. And I will watch it while I'm up there in the evenings, and if not, I'll watch it when I get back. And then we'll circle back and discuss because I I know you will like that show. I have a feeling that, what is there, like 40 episodes or something like that? Something like that, yeah. It's not a lot. I'm going to get hooked into it and just like... Tear think, through them all. Yeah. yeah, like sit up, like sit up, like five nights in a row, <laughs> right. and just be like completely burnt that's, out. That's what we did. Let's take a commercial break, and when we come back, we will jump on to our next topic. Folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? 
Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing game's line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com. And seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. Hey, folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm. It doesn't separate from the base. They custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. All right, and we are back. So we're back talking about Invasion Kenosha. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose we should talk about Invasion Kenosha. We went uh, this weekend. You were supposed to go, except the had I the was itchy planning nuisance. on going. Yeah, so the itchy nuisance, for those who don't know, I, I, I had a business trip down to Atlanta and came back with some weird rash. I, I think I was allergic to the water. I, apparently, they treat their massively treat their water down there with a lot of chemicals. And I reacted pretty badly to that. So I was on three medications. I mean, wow. It was bad. Like, I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't wear pants because it itched so bad. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't sleep. You know, so I was not in a hobby or gaming frame of mind. So I, I suppose I could have gone, but I don't think I would have had a good, a good time. So, yeah. I came to see you before to pick up a couple models for Harrison, and you were, you were having a rough time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, trust me. If you don't have your, your health, you don't have anything. Right. So. But you guys went, and I hear someone had a pretty good showing. Yeah, um, I didn't do too bad. Uh, I I actually uh, took best overall. Nice. My first best overall at any tournament. Got the plaque. Going to put it up on the uh, hobby yep. wall down here. So how many people were at the tournament? Um, was it, uh, I think it was 26. 26, okay. Because uh, it, was, it was 13 tables, right? Yeah, so... Two thousand points. A couple of people. Yeah, it was a couple of you were you were one of the no shows. There was right, a couple yeah. of no shows. Um, yeah, it was two thousand points. You could bring uh, the bound creatures and stuff from Storm of Magic or the Monstrous Arcanum. You could bring the weapons that are in Monstrous Arcanum, just not the mythic artifacts. The mythic artifacts are like two hundred point magic, oh, like super powerful ones. Yeah. So, what's an example of a artifact that you could bring? Um, Harrison, grab the. Monstrous Arcanum, and once he gets that, I don't group, have the Monstrous Arcanum books. I don't know. I mean, they're they're just they're different weapons. Uh, a lot of it, uh, I went through it, and there was nothing in like particular. Plus one that, to hit swords, and no, I I wish it was that magic items and mythic. Okay, uh, the Basilisk Blade 
On any to-hit roll of four or higher, the basilisk blade will wound its target automatically. However, on a to-hit roll of one, the wielder suffers a wound. Hmm. Wounds inflicted with the basilisk blade also have armor piercing, 50 points. Interesting. So it's like it's a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily. It's it's it's, it's not, cool. so it's not game maximized, but it's flavorful. Exactly. Um, uh, Eighty-five point talisman gives you a five-up ward save. When the bear is reduced to zero wounds or less, the item is destroyed, but restores the bear to his starting wounds total and inflicts a strength five hit on all models in base contact with the bear, regardless of whether they are friend or foe. Hmm. So basically, for eighty-five points, you double your wounds. Right. When you get reduced to zero wounds or less. So if you do, if you do, if I got one wound left and I, you do five wounds and I don't save any of them. I wonder, are those considered magical attacks to the wounds in base contact, to models in base contact? It just said a strength five hit on all models in base contact with the bear, regardless of friend or foe. Uh, so stuff like that. The Faithless Charm. Bearer gets Always Strikes First and Killing Blow. If they fail any leadership or break test, they lose Always Strikes First and gain Frenzy and Always Strikes Last. They cannot lose Frenzy in any way after gaining it in this fashion. 25 points. Did you see a lot of those magic items? No. Did you see a lot of monsters from I the s- Monstrous Arcanum? I did see some. Um, I know oh, I played Chuck, and he had uh, a Warriors of Chaos list with... Uh, with a Chimera and uh, Bale Taurus. Okay. Uh, some people, you know, I saw some giants. I think Paul Wagner had his... The Mammoth. Uh, the, the War Mammoth. Mammoth. The War that, Mammoth. Huge. That thing is, I mean, it is ridiculously large. Yeah. It's like the size of a small puppy. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a big yeah. model. Um, you know, and there were other people who had different, uh, different special things. I think, I think at 2,000 points... A lot of times it's hard to fit in the big ribblies that you might ribblies, want. Even if it's just because this is this is you know promoted as a fun hobby tournament. I mean, he says bring that, fun. That's lists. why I was looking forward to it. You know, plop my uh, orc idol on you there. The, and yeah, just, you yeah, charge it up and beat something up. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that. But you know, looking at the, at the scenarios, it's interesting because some of them, you know, use of of banners or core troops with banners and their tactical application and claiming objectives. Uh huh. I think played some part in some of the scenarios, but then you have to kind of choose, you know, am I going to take a big monster and advance points there, or am I going to get a whole bunch of banners and play the more tactical game? I, I find myself really torn with trying to create a list for because of that. We talked about that, and we had that trouble. And John actually came up to me and said, and I was really hoping you would bring the um, Necra, the Necrofex Colossus. Because the the vampire counts. Remember, I, the one that I'm gonna that one that I want to scratch build. The one that I want to, okay. you know, it's the all the different parts that the necromancer bring. Basically, a giant made out of body parts. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that's a monstrous arcanum. Yes. Okay. And it's a really cool little monster, and uh, I was just like, I, I would have brought it. I just never got around to building the darn right. thing. Uh, and that was that was part of what the problem I had. In fact, as you said. Um, I devoted most of the points that I spent in rare because if you use it, you fills up a rare slot. Right. Um, were devoted to a, a unit with a banner because I needed I needed the extra banners. Sure. I didn't I didn't want to get I wouldn't want to take a monster who obviously can't have a banner. And then as far as the scenarios go, uh, so I mean it's like. I, I didn't build a hard list, but I didn't go and take a lot of monsters. Just because, and part of it is my army. You know, it's like you know, 
you, if you're taking up rare slots with monsters, my core slots are also kind of weak. The thing is, I think if you're going to open up the field to the monstrous Arcanum monsters, which I, I love that idea, uh-huh. but I think if you're going to do that, in my opinion, the objectives should be focused on utilizing those as options. And and I don't know if I agree with you on that, only because he left it open as an option for people who have them. I don't have any monstrous Arcanum. I don't own any of those models. I just got the Manticore and the Chimera from Mirrors. Right. And I would have had to just slap paint all over those just to put them on the table. You know what I'm saying? Because I just well, got them. but he did announce. Yeah, we knew for the longest time that they were available. So right, but my if point you is, chose to, you could right. have built something towards that end. True. I'm just saying that a lot of the Monsters Arcanum models, I mean, yeah, there's a cockatrice and you can also get cold ones. And there's stuff that's not that expensive. Right. But the cool things, there are a lot of Forge World models sure. or stuff that's it's a little it's a little pricey. So I think if you open the option to take them, so, hey, bring your big toys if you want to bring them. It'll be a fun tournament. But to make those part of the objectives, then suddenly it's like, then you have to have them. Well, not necessarily make them part of the objectives, but make the objectives not not necessarily so um, banner based. Well, and this and this was you know something I mean? that you, you and I were choose. discussing. Yeah, yeah, you have there, to choose. There that. was definitely had to make a choice if you want to have more banner. Uh, you made the right choice in our in our practice game where we played against each other, uh-huh. the, uh, the invasion prep game. Uh-huh. Your banners, you know, they they won you the game, whereas my big monster didn't do too much. When I got to the banners game and we'll get to it later i played uh against lizard men and they did he did not have any big monsters mm. but he had four banners and not it's not at once i, t- I took yeah. out one and i it's like okay now you've got to take out two right just to tie me up and if i can get a second yeah um i've that got wins the game yeah and yeah. eventually eventually that's that's how that happened but it's it was it's uh, i don't want to be Hypercritical of John's the way he's got it set up. Um, I, I'm not being hypercritical, but he does make you make tough decisions. I will say yes. that much. And that's the thing: you didn't see any two lists alike in that right. place. That's what was cool because you had to make those decisions. Um, you didn't, you know, you couldn't just take all monsters because it wouldn't work with the scenario. Mm-hmm. But if you had something that you wanted to bring for flavor. You could, and it did, and it kept you. Plus, the, the need to have the banners in the different scenarios uh, kind of kept you honest, kept you from having one big block because you want to have so a couple you only have of one banner. Then. Exactly. Right. So he really, I mean, John's been doing this for a long time. Not just Invasion Kenosha, which this is the fifth one. And by the way, I know you weren't there in the uh, in the pack. John has John doesn't live in Wisconsin anymore, and he's moving, and he's moving actually. To like central Illinois, oh, really? almost. I mean, he's, he's south of Joliet, basically. Okay. If you know the area, this is the last one. He sent us a thank. It is a thank you letter in the packet. Wow. This is the last invasion. Wow, that really upsets me. Yeah, we showed up, and it was it's it it you know he had to do it all, and it's just it's it's so much work for him yeah. to do that, even though he loves it. And it's honestly, it's the one tournament that I know I can bring Harrison to every year, and we both have a great time. And it's one day. We just take off. We're home, you know, not too late, and we have a great time. And we're we're really sad that it's going to be done. So he's not going to 
continue it down there once he moves? No, I mean it, it, he said he yeah he, he Harrison was asking him about it. He said he may if he once he gets settled if he can find a place and find something. It won't be invasion Kenosha sure, anymore. Of course, basically it's, I mean he's, he said something. where he's living now it's a hundred mile drive for him to get up to the. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense place. for him to keep it up here. No. He doesn't live around here. So invasion Kenosha is done. He yeah. will see once he's moved if he can do something else. Wow, um, the changing landscape. Yeah, the tournament scene. Ooh. Not that we're all about tournaments. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he. I mean, every year he's got that stuff where he's like, "You could bring this," but then he throws in in his scenarios. He makes you make tough choices. You can't. I mean, the list I took to Invasion Kenosha, I've never taken any. I'd, I'd never taken before. I, I, I changed up what I took. I move stuff around, and I was like, okay, this will work for me, but it's like... It's such an odd build, right? right. Something you normally wouldn't take. I struggled with the same. And that's what made it fun, though. That's what made this whole tournament fun. But, uh, so I think you, you went... Did you lose your last game? Yes. Against I, Chuck. I, I, so did Chuck go 3-0? and Chuck went 3-0. and They were broken up into three pods. John has you in a group of, like, eight players. Right. Uh, this He had to adjust it a little bit because we had an odd number. Yeah. We were, he opened up a... He was going to open up a fourth pod, but then we had a bunch of no-shows, right. so then he just adjusted it. But basically, my pod had eight players in it, and so it was just us eight. And then there was another pod with eight players. Harrison was in another pod. Grant was in a third, the third pod. Right. And so it's your win-loss ratio and your points ratio against just those eight players. Okay, so there's like so three divisions. So there's three so, so and and what, what he did, what John did was, someone's going to go 3-0. and oh. That's just, that's how it works. Uh, in each pod, and whoever goes three and zero in each pod wins the pod. Sure. He doesn't go on points, so if you won, it's a win loss record. Yeah, it's okay. your win loss record, um, and then your points go to the other things. Um, so, so you so you can win overall without having won your pod, which I, is what you I, did. I lost my pod and I won overall. Huh. Uh, I didn't lose by much on the third on that last game to Chuck, and that's what helped. Is that it was such a tight game? Mm-hmm. Uh, had he had he really gotten the stomp on me? Um, he'd have won everything, and, I see. and he really did well. I would say the guy who went three and zero, losing overall to the guy who went two and one, kind of seems sure. funny. But it's a hobby tournament. Um, so, so, so you must have made up those points in paints, the the sportsmanship I, score. I, I must have gotten a decent sportsmanship score. I know I got a twenty four on my paint out of a pot, and uh, as John said, most people will get about. A twenty-seven. If you did a good job, okay. Because there were three things where because he, he had separate categories, and when he went around and he actually judged every single person's paint, okay, right. So it was consistent because it was all judged by right. by, one by person. John. After he went through the categories, like say for conversions, you have this: is did you have the best conversions here? Point one point. Hmm. So basically, in the three categories, there was one point that only one person was going to get. Right. So most people in the tournament could only max out at about twenty-seven. Okay. Out of the thirty, um, like I said, I got I got twenty four. So I was really good score. I was really pleased score. with that. Um, so knowing that his paint list, as you do, well, just in general, what do you? Is there anything paint wise that you would try to improve upon? I didn't have a ton of the conversions, and uh, honestly, I probably could have gotten better scores, but I changed up my army list and did not have time to make nice, perfectly matching movement trays. Okay. So I had movement trays that were flocked and, and done, but sure. they were kind of jank. Okay. So on the display, it was like some of them were in the display ones that I used at Adepticon and Bits, and the ones where I changed up the unit size, I had to go find. And I just, you know what, that whole week leading up to it, I probably could have sat down and cut up and taken the time to do those movements. I had other things to do. 
And quite frankly, I didn't expect that I was going to be in any sort of contention <laughs> for... Well, you, you lucked out because... Heaven forbid that, you know, your movement trace not matching would have cost you something like this. Well, I mean... You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's interesting. So, non-competitive tournament win. Very (laughs) intriguing. I don't... I don't don't deserve that award, but I'm... Sure you do. I guess you earned it. I guess... You know, the the thing that I love about tournaments is that, you know, it combines competitive play, your generalship, your, your paint... So uh-huh. the creative side of you, and then your sportsmanship. So yeah. all those three things wrapped together, that that trifecta, you know, make for a good tournament experience. And you, my friend, have pulled it off. I, Congratulations. I, I'm still kind of in shock. I still, I mean, I was sitting around here the other night. I was cleaning up stuff, and I and the plaque is sitting over here on the thing, and I was just picking up, looking at it, like. So you could say you won the last ever Invasion Kenosha. Yes, I did. Very nice. I did. I was, and I mean, gum, coming from the, the the first year where I was like one and two. Mm. But I did a little better every year, yeah. and this year I was just so set your sights towards Adepticon and bits. And well, I don't know if I'm going to Adepticon this year. Oh yeah, that's right. We we did talk about that. And well, if if not Adepticon, then what might you be going to? If I can get the okay, and there's still tickets available, I'm I'm this close to getting the okay to go to Wapaka. Like I only do three tournaments a year. I do Adepticon bits. And Invasion Kenosha. I've and only been they're going all to in, they're all in the summer, well, spring yeah, it's summer. That's April, early June, mid July. Yeah, Heather's actually going to be out of town. Well, she had her date settled before they released the Adepticon right. dates. And I told her even when she told me about it, she's like, "I'm going to do this. It's the beginning of April. You know, is that that's not going to interfere with anything." I said, "Don't even worry about it," because I'd been to Adepticon for a couple of years. It was always yeah, it's the like last April, like eighteenth, April first. Yeah, and now it's the exact Third. same date. It's April. Right. So I was like, oh, I, "I will, I will back out and not." Push for that if I can do this in well, January. I think that's a, a good trade. Yeah, you know, in some in, in some for some people, Wapaka is the better tournament. So I've been to Adepticon three times. I've never been to Wapaka. So as much as I love Adepticon and all the cool stuff that goes along with it, it is. I just I adore going there. I right, but I really want to go to Wapaka, and I've never been. So this it is a good time. It's, it's so different. But it is very, very good. So that's what very I'm hoping cool. to do. So you know, I'm hoping you can make it because I'm planning on going to, and hopefully we can get our um, NW2 versus Skull Bros Awesome if, Club if, showdown. If I can get to go there, weekend. then yeah, yeah, then we'll definitely get that done. You know what? Why don't we take a break, and then when we come back, um, if you want, we can talk really quick about uh, the games. I should give credit to where credit's due. I had sure. some really great games, and then we'll go into uh, our our last little topic. Okay. Hey guys, if you're the type of person who would rather have oral surgery than put a brush to a model, then let me suggest Guild Painting Services. They're a professional painting service that pride themselves on having customer interaction like going to a local commissioned painter, but having the quality and speed of a large studio. They build, paint, and convert miniatures for all game systems. They're competitively priced, and if you want to talk quality, go to guildpainting.com and check out the quality of the miniatures that they've got on display. If you're a person who likes to have a beautifully painted army on the table but doesn't have either the time, 
desire, or ability to bring it to that standard, you can trust your models to the guys at Guild Painting Services at guildpainting.com. You'll be glad you checked them out. Uh, do talk. Tell us about your game. Regale us with your tales of victory. Okay, and here's where I'm going to say I, I'm not just being modest. There was there was luck involved in my winning this. Okay, um, and I'm just I'm throwing that out there because um, in terms of what, like dice rolls or matchups or what? Well, I mean, dice rolls were hot and cold. I mean, and those are different games. With Chuck, I would roll ten dice with zombies and hit with eight of them. But then get no wounds. So it was like, okay. it was, and it literally, I mean, my vampire lord hit everything, wound nothing. I mean, this happened many times. Sure. Uh, my first game was against uh, a guy named Matt J. Jack, and he brought, oh, his, I know Matt. He brought his ogres. Yeah. He had a cool list. And I actually said, I go, didn't I, did you, were you here last year at Invasion Coast? He goes, yep. And I go, did you bring these ogres? He goes, yeah. Cause he's got silver ogres, mm-hmm. and they're silver. Yeah. Like, not just, but they're silver, and they have like metallic red clothes like all of them have these pants that look like candy apple red metallic i don't know if he had those last year he had ogre he said he did because i'm like i remember the paint job because it was just it's shiny um i played him i don't remember the silver but okay now he did take uh he you know his list this was probably the fluffiest list i played uh he had a unit of four lead belchers two units of four iron guts each with a banner um a unit of 24 Noblars, or 25 Noblars, I think, with a groin, or 24 with a groin, whatever. He had Noblars with a groin biter. Uh, he had a scrap launcher. He had a giant. You see those. Okay. You never see a scrap launcher. Yeah. He had a giant, and then he had an ogre star, like a bull star, not a gut star. He had 15 ogres Jeez. with a fire belly, a bruiser, and a slaughter master. Now, this game, I, I, I knew what I was going to do. Okay. Um, I had now. Oh, what did I take? Real quick, people were asking. I had a master necromancer, um, and he had a four up ward and a dispel scroll. I had a level two vampire BSB, and he was on a nightmare. That's so why I had him mounted. Um, he had quick blood and the heavy the four up ward armor. No magic weapons, okay. just the four up ward and the quick blood. And then I had a level one vampire on foot. Uh, and he had also quick blood, and um, he had a five up ward, and uh, the bite armor piercing blade. Okay, it, real simple stuff. Three units of zombies, around thirty apiece. Not exactly. I had you know for points wise, they were broken up. Two units of five dogs, two spirit hosts, um, a unit of twenty nine skeletons for the master necromancer, a unit of twenty five grave guard for the vampire on foot, and four blood knights. Blood Knights. That's the the odd Blood one. Knights to ride the with choice. the no. uh, dude. They're kind of awesome. Oh yeah, like they can get taken out, and that was the worst part. Was when they attacked, and it was like, okay, I did three hits. Oh, I got a two up armor save. Okay, and I rolled like four or did three wounds, four wounds. I rolled three ones, and it's just like it, that happens. And yeah, when there's only happen. four models on the table, right? Every wound hurts. Every a lot. yes. I mean, seriously, four Blood Knights with. 
uh, the leadership banner. Can you only take four? It's not a five minimum. It's a four minimum. Four you, minimum. Yeah. Okay. It's a four minimum. Um, with uh, you know, the barding and the lance and all that. Two hundred. It was two hundred twenty points for a blood knight with a musician on a banner, with no champion. So you're two twenty for those four. Um, but it was kind of cool. You know, I had the little dogs in front of them so they didn't have to yeah, charge if I yeah. didn't want them to. And in this first game, I was running them up the side trying to get them in the backfield. Scrap launchers there. It's going to fire. Um, I, I do. I get the I get the spirit host into the giant. Tie it up all game. Tie it up. All, well, here's the other thing. Outside of yell and ball, which just ends the combat automatically, the giant doesn't have magical attacks. Correct. So he, you, you can, you, you, you know, jump up and down. You roll that. He's just going to hurt himself. Yeah, he just hurt. so there was nothing, you know, pick up and whatever. You can't pick me up. I was there was so I tied up the giant and basically ran around and killed everything except the gut star. I was <laughs> just <Right>. chewing up. <laughs> but I mean, no Mornfang, no cannons. I mean, it was a really fluffy, just a fun time list. I mean, still, it's over a thousand points in that unit with the characters. When we ended up, we knew it was going to be kind of close. And we started adding it up, and I had a win. And honestly, now where John does it, a tie is eight eight, and the max you can get is a twelve four. Okay. So that's and then there's uh, extra objectives. So you can get up to twenty, but it's twelve points in that, and then eight points in secondary and tertiary objectives. I don't think I had a twelve four. I think I had about a ten six, and then the extra points. So I wound up with a twenty four in this game. But the reason was. He handed me his list, and I said, well, let's add it up because I'd like to see exact, you know, I, I know right. it was kind of close. I'm like, where's the giant on the list? And he's like, oh, it must have cut off on the bottom. And I said, wait a second. And we added up all the points, and without oh. the giant, he was at 1995. Ooh. So he had basically. He had an extra giant? He had an extra giant. <laughs> Yikes. So basically, he went and talked to John and, and came back. He's like, just take the 20 to 4. He's like, you, you, I had all the objectives. And. It was a complete honest mistake, and I don't know. I, I'm assuming. I think he just pulled the giant out for his for his other two games because the list was perfectly legal, right? Uh, other than the giant, other than yeah, I oh. mean the giant was what pushed him over. It was a complete accident, but basically I wound up getting two extra, two extra points, two extra points because of that mistake. Which is why I'm saying I won by three overall over Chuck, and two of them I got. Oh, from the Giants. Two of them I got out of... From the Giants situation. Yes. Okay. So, you know, I probably would have... But I don't know. I mean, you know, you never know how that would shake down. Second game, I played against uh, Reed Herner, which is Steve's son. Yeah, okay. And he had his lizards. Uh, he had a slan and a Temple Guard unit. He had a big unit of Scar... Uh, uh, he had a Scarvet BSB in a big block of Saurus Warriors... And then he had uh, salamanders in there. Yes, two salamanders, two okay. two separate salamanders, two a couple of skinks, a couple of skink skirmishers, and a couple of chameleon skinks. Uh, the one skink that wasn't skirmishers, he kept that non skirmisher so we could have the banner. So he had a sure. banner, one banner temple guard, one banner saurus BSB, and that one banner in the skinks. So he had four. He had four. How total. many banners did Matt have? Let me look. Let me look. Iron gut, iron gut, full star. Uh, scrap launchers, that's four. Probably a BSB, five. Oh, and the Noblars can take a standard. Oh, they, okay. So, so yes, six. you had five. Yeah. Yeah. You had five or six. Five yeah. or six, okay. But uh, the game against Reed was, was fun, okay? Um, what it, lore was he rocking? Uh, life. Oh, okay. So it was going to be tough. And this deployment, you were uh, it wasn't standard deployment. Um, it was kind of like what we did in the last episode, except instead of being at angles, 
because I guess it was confusing. Here's what he, he just said. Deploy on the short end. Okay. The back nine inches of your board from the short end, you could not deploy in. Okay. You could deploy from that nine inch up to 15 more inches in. So basically from nine inches to 24 inches, that 15 inch range. So it's a modified um, battle for the pass, yeah. so to speak. Okay. And it gave you two feet in the middle, yeah. you know. Um, and you would deploy, and then when you were done, you you go and you put your objective marker somewhere into that nine-inch no-man zone. Right. Now, I've played lizards a couple times before, so one of the things I made sure to do was place my guys far enough back in my deployment zone that that one foot away you have to be for your you scouts, yeah, you he scouts couldn't come in, in behind me. Yeah. And uh, so he pulled up all of his skirmishers, and his big mistake was as I was moving up, he tried to sort of get around me on the table edges to get back towards, to get in, to get to that objective. Sure. So he had his skinks, those skirmishing skink chameleons, right on the edge of the board. So, like, he, where he was set up to shoot at my zombies, I had my spirit host, and my like, spirit host charges the chameleon yeah. skinks. And he's like, oh, and if he fled, he goes off the board. Right. So, boom, I got them. Two wounds, break them, they run off the board. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing to the ones on the other side of the board. Mm-hmm. So it was like, took those out of the way. Um... There was a huge building in the middle that he put his Saurus in, so I couldn't get that banner. Right. And so basically I looked at it and was like, well, he's got one banner with those skinks, which I expected he was just going to run and keep away with. But that was the banner was what you needed to get the objective. Right. I had that objective blocked off. He should have just given it up. He tried to bring those skinks in. Uh, and I, he risked the banner. I and, charged him in, okay. and I and I got the that banner. So I was already ahead. You know, it was just one of these things where he had a bunch of them. He tried to flee, and he rolled some really low flea rolls. Mm-hmm. So I still... Caught a couple of them. So I walked out that and then basically looked at that giant block of temple, like 36 temple guard or 30 some temple guard with the, with the mage priest in the middle. And I charged it with my grave guard. And I said, I know I'm going to take a beating, Mm -hmm. but I got to get it. I was actually stupid and forgot in the first round of combat because I have killing blow to just put all my attacks onto the BSB. Ah, right. So the first one, I was just killing it. And then the second one, I remembered it. Boom, killing blowed the right. BSB off. And he's, I, I had him then. Ah, and that, that scenario was like ours. Whoever gets the biggest percentage of the banners Wins. gets that. Plus then, once I broke the BSB, I was I, I actually was able to grow back enough of mine. Mm-hmm. I killed off the unit and got a slan. Oh, so I got wow. the general and my blood knights managed to, once they cleared off that side, yeah. they just rocked it and ran all the way back. Because they're vampiric, they can they can march. I got them all the way to the back of the board and got my objective. So that Jeez. was another twenty to four win. And how many banners did you have in your army? Seven. Seven. <laughs> Jeez, two one up on the on the banners. And dude, I had all my zombies out of the case. Oh yeah, I had three units, and then I was I had uh, I was growing more. <laughs> oh, so I was just like I was I was playing the zombie extraordinaire. Uh, final game was against Chuck, and and he was using his warriors. Yes. <laughs> uh, he had the Demon Prince of Nurgle. Uh, it wasn't flying, but it had the Soul Feeder, mm-hmm. Sword of Striking, Chaos Armor, Dragon Bane Gem, Scaly Skin, the whole, okay, the whole nine sure. yards. Um, he had the uh, Chaos Sorcerer, the Level 2 Lore of Fire. On disc? Uh, Enchanted Shield, Chaos Armor, and Familiar. So, no, okay. it's just in All the right. unit. Four units of five dogs. Now, those can't take banners. The Chaos Hounds cannot. Okay. They were all ambushers, though. They all took oh, the ambush upgrade, so they all were in, right in the middle of the right. board, right in the beginning. Uh, he had an 18 uh, Nurgle Warrior unit. Okay. 
uh, three skull crushers, and then a bale Taurus, a chimera, and six Nurgle chaos ogres. So it's quite choppy. Yes. Um, and the way we were set up, we had everything put out there, and um, I got to go first. This is another weird thing. Um, on this third scenario, we're all playing the same scenario, and whoever had the most musicians got the plus one to roll to go first. So it was like musicians suddenly came in as as a Whose bonus too. Is blaring louder, right? Yes. I had my normal setup, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of moving forward. Chuck had all of his uh, dogs moving forward. Now I thought I was being clever, and part of this was. You know, we had discussed the terrain. There was a big river running up the, about a third of the way into across the board, across the board. And there was this bridge across it that didn't look like a normal bridge. And we had agreed it was more of a hill over the bridge. And when we agreed, I, you know, I was thinking one thing in my head and obviously Chuck was thinking another. Okay. I was thinking more of because it looked just like a, it was, you know how a bridge is you can, you can get in on one side and you go over and you can only enter from the edge of the bridge. Sure. Well, it looked kind of like a hill. So I was thinking that. You can get onto the bridge from the left or right or the, you know, any part of that that's not in the river. But I was thinking that the part actually over the river was like just. Just the actual bridge? Just the actual bridge part, you know? Okay. I'm not quite sure where the miscommunication happened then. Well, we just said it was more of a hill, you know? And when we said, so basically I had run my stuff up and put it right up to the edge of the bridge, figuring you'd have to get onto the bridge and come across and it was narrow and he couldn't. But since we said it was just a hill. He just ran oh, bridge just, hill, just ran right through hill. the yeah. Okay. So he had to take a day, and that, that's what we said it was. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't thinking straight. I had moved my stuff forward, and basically, Chuck took advantage of my moves, and this is where it went really well for Chuck. I moved my stuff forward. I you know I moved up and kind of you know charged a couple of units. Uh, uh, I was going to charge the dogs, but like I'd put the spirit host in front of my my dogs, figuring his wouldn't attack. Well, his flying bale Taurus just flew right up uh-huh. and said, well, there's enough leading out either side of that thing, so I could just totally bypass your spirit host and hit uh, the hit the dogs, which were blocking my blood knights mm-hmm. to keep them from charging right. when they wanted to. Then the dogs hit him in the flank. So, boom, turn one, he wipes them out, and he's into the, bl- the blood knights right. and his bale Taurus. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> His chimeras run forward. It's into one unit of of, uh, zombies. Here was my big mistake. Turn one, I move forward, and I see those blood crushers, and I don't really have an answer for them. And I get off a raised dead. And the raised dead, you have to have up. They can be a maximum of 18 inches away when you raise that unit. I could have had them 18 inches away right in front of his unit at an angle. They were right near the board edge. He would have had to charge them and then had to overrun and run off the board and then come back on turn two. Okay. I wasn't thinking straight. So what did okay. you do? I, I made the, I, I didn't pull him the full 18 inches in front of him. I had him in front of him, but enough where he could get away from them if he need be. Okay. I had him closest. So if he failed the, 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 the frenzy, the frenzy he would have had to charge him. Right. But he passed his frenzy check. I pulled him closer because that one model was just within 12 inches. So after I got off the raised dead, I got off an invocation and turned 11 zombies into 20 zombies. Okay, nice. So I, that was my whole plan was to you know, raise them and slow them down. Well, what he did was they have magical attacks, so he just bypassed the zombies, completely charged across the table into my spirit hosts. Oh. Which then... So he, you weren't expecting that. No, and then he went the other way. So basically what happened was he did a sort of an X, a crisscross, yeah. and got these guys right in the middle. And, of course, they killed the spirit host in like... 
Sure. A tur- you know, it just boom overruns into my zombie unit, and I cannot grow him fast enough to stop three skull crushers. So I'm looking at this, and I actually look at him, and it, uh, his demon prince is coming right up here, yeah. and I'm like, I lost. And I said, he's like, you did not lose. I'm like, dude, I lost this game. And I have a tendency to do this. You and you and Alex have kind of taught me to look a few turns ahead. Mm-hmm. And I realized I'd made a mistake. I knew he capitalized on it, and I knew there was no way I was going to recover fully from this. And so I even said to him, I said, look, I'm not trying to be a, a, a Debbie Downer or, a, or an unfun player. I'm looking at this and saying, the, the, and I point out, this is here, this is here, this, and these, the way these matchups are going, I'm in a lot of trouble. And he's like, yeah, but it could still turn out. And so we're playing it. And um, what winds up happening, though, is, when he did that, when he moved these guys this way, we had all kind of stayed to one side of the board because of the river. Well, by the river, I had moved up a whole lot, and on the edge of the board, I moved up a whole lot, uh-huh. and then he moved in. So we were kind of U-shaped. Right. His unit with his his Nurgle warriors were the one with the with in in this in this scenario. I forgot to mention the way to get the bonus points with your uh, objective was it started off with any unit, any core unit started off with the banner. Or with your uh, objective. Any core unit starts with your objective. And you got points if you got it farthest away from your board edge at the end of the game. Okay. Okay? His Nurgle unit was behind all of these big monsters that he rushed forward. And I held some of them, and we made this U-shape. He couldn't get around it. <laughs> so his his objective marker was stuck. Was stuck. Ju- now, it was just outside of his deployment zone. I would have gotten extra points if it actually was in his deployment zone. Uh. Meanwhile, he killed the dogs who had it, but what winds up happening was um, in the unit, the Blood Knights managed to win uh, a combat by one against the Bale Taurus. I don't think Chuck had a BSB. In fact, he didn't have a BSB. So when his Bale Taurus failed his check, I ran it down. Nice. Zombies with four ranks and a banner on a really bad roll by Chuck with his Chimera, his Chimera got like one Thunder Stomp. Yep. and did like one wound, I beat that and ran it down with well, zombies. Sometimes happen with monsters. So suddenly I was way up on yeah. that side. Uh, the the other unit of dogs just grabbed the objective and ran for the corner. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, his blood crushers are still kind of chewing through stuff, but I'm growing zombies as fast as I can. And um, his demon prince uh, killed my my one vampire and was wiping out my grave guard. Yeah. And it really came down at the end of the game. Like I thought I was losing by a lot, but uh, I, the game was only decided by about 200, 250 oh, that's points. Pretty tight. Uh, I gave up about 1100. He gave up like nine, but here's what it was, was in that last couple rounds, his blood crushes are turning to get that unit of, of grave guard, which is pretty expensive with the vampire in it. And I just, I had a big unit of zombies. I threw it in the flank. Yeah. I'm like, I can't beat you, but I'll hold you. Right. Um, and as, as the fighting's going back and forth, um, my grave guard are hitting on fives. It should be sixes, but I've got the banner of the barrows. So the Nurgle Prince are hitting on fives and, um, strength six. So I'm wounding it on a decent wounding rate. That thing's tough five. Yeah. Yeah. I had him down to one last turn, last round turn of the game. I had him down to one wound on that demon prince and had i killed it the point the points for the prince and the points for killing the general you would have won i would have won that round uh you know it was just 
there was a lot of, I mean, I, I and Chuck even said, he goes, I haven't been stuck up in a zombie <laughs> morass like this in years. And it's like, but that's, that's how I've been playing this yeah, for yeah, two that's, years. That's, I, game. that's, that's your game. Real. And it just, so it was a 13-11 loss. Okay. And that's what it was so tight. Had, had he been able to get his objective to the back? He would have won the tournament. You know, the thing is, with a slow-moving Warriors army, it's going to be tough for him to get his objective further out than you are going to be able to get yours out. Right. Especially if yours is a cavalry. Well, the thing was, unlike our game where it had to be a core unit with a banner that had to start with it, it was any core unit could take it. That was like it changed a little bit. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just give it to the dogs. They can move nine. Oh, yeah. That is a huge change. Yeah. That is a massive change, actually, because you don't have to... Because originally you don't have to plan to take those banners. Well, because originally I had the banners, and you had to start with it with a banner, and I was planning on dropping it, and then you someone else with a banner could pick it up. So I was right. going to spend one turn dropping it, the other turn having the Blood Knights pick it up, yep. having the Blood Knights run with it. It didn't have to work out that way, so it worked a little quicker. Interesting. Okay. Um, but, I mean, like I said, Chuck was a great opponent, and it really did come down to that last turn. Mm. You know, I'm rolling, trying to kill that knight. He's wiping out the unit. Uh, overrunning into this, and uh, we were just, we're, it was it was tooth and nail the whole way. That makes for a fun game. It was a great game. And I, I, I think I might have put down, I mean, all three games were a lot of fun, but I think I put Chuck down as as my favorite just because it was it was that tight and it was mm-hmm. that tactical. And we were, you know, he jumped on every little mistake I made, and I was just, I was getting good magic phases. The whole day I was getting good magic phases. So it was nice. like zombies, 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 zombies. Uh, at the end I had like... Five, you know, I think I had like five units of zombies at one point on the board, and you know, just growing and growing and growing. And he was like, "This is ridiculous." So you had all your zombie models in play, huh? Just about almost all two hundred. Yeah, yeah you didn't I need did. A thousand or anything? No, I did. I was good. I was. <laughs> okay. I was okay. But uh, so that was the game, and it was it was funny because we had to be at at a party that day. My wife had this party that she had to go to, and we had to be there. And so I'm like, well, I will meet you there. And the party started at 6. And the last round ended at 6.15. I told her as soon as our games were over, we would just leave. Because right. I had no thought that we would win anything. But there you are. And John's like, yeah, you got to stay. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you need to stay. And so, um, and I felt bad because I did kind of rush him. Because normally he gives out the little, he does the, he'll do his raffle and sure, he'll do a little right. prize and do that last. He's like, He's got to go, so i got to give it. And he's like, best overall. <laughs> and I was just like, Yay. It was, it was. Did you make it to the party in time? Uh, was well, the no, wife happy? I was late, but basically, she was like, they're, they're taking, you know, you had to pick what you wanted for dinner. She's right. like, I just ordered your dinner for you. And so I showed up oh, and every, okay. everyone was still eating. So I was, I you're, was, you're good. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, and then I got all these prizes with it, which I just, like, <laughs> what'd you get? What'd you get? Well, it was so funny because I got the, 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 uh, the plaque. Yeah. And I was like, yay. And I was, Cheering and I thanked everybody. Like, hey, thanks, guys. I didn't want to look. I even said I don't want to look like a sore winner, but yeah, yay! Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I gotta leave. And John's like, well, I'm gonna keep all these prizes then if you're leaving. Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> so I got uh, Carl Franz and the Griffin, nice. A box of Demi Griffs, a box of Knights, very nice. And uh, uh, there was a gift card to the game. Oh, Rockhead Games is where we played it. Really cool place, comic books and and all sorts of uh, gaming supplies. Yeah, it's I mean, a they big all, store. He used to have huge. it there two years ago. No, two years three three years ago. At some point, okay. I think it was Kenosha two. They had it there. Oh, okay. So then I never went to two because I went to three and four. Uh, the guy from the guy who was running the place, who uh, he was up there and he said hi. And he actually said he listens to the show. And oh, great. It was, excellent. It was uh, it was a, it was just a really great time. It was really cool. 
uh, a really just a really fun experience, and uh, the place itself was really cool. You like, know, the photos that I saw on Facebook, the venue looks way different than what I remember it. I don't know if they moved or well, expanded or something. We were upstairs. There was an upstairs where they had they had two big game rooms. One was okay. having the Flames of War tournament going on, and one was having our tournament. Downstairs, there's a whole other game yeah. room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I which, think I was on the ground floor last yeah. time. So it does That's look the comic here. book area, right? Yes, yeah. the comic book area, and there's the game room there. Yeah. So we were upstairs, and... Uh, and I'm a tournament winner, so I can retire yeah, while you're on top, right? <laughs> exactly. I, I, you know, I'm so sorry I missed it, and I can't believe it's the last one. That is so shocking to me. Oh, I know, I know, because it's totally not. Uh, it's totally not what I would normally. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting. It. I totally wasn't expecting. It. Yeah. So you know what? Um, let's take a break on this really quick, and um, when we come back, we're going to talk about our main topic, which is hobby gaming versus tournament, tournament gaming. gaming. Okay. It's Dave. I'm here to talk to you about Square Shooters at squareshooters.com. What's Square Shooters? It is the first deck of cards on dice. Nine dice, six sides. That's a full deck and two jokers. There are all sorts of ways you can use this dice. You can use it in place of cards. You can use it in conjunction with cards. You can put entirely new components together. You can even invent bolt-ons within an existing game where you had a little side game with the dice. Okay, so what's the point? What does this have to do with wargaming? Well... They're going to be running a contest later this year. If you are a creative game designer, you can submit it to the Square Shooters Game Design Forum at forum.squareshooters.com. Prizes will include limited publishing for the grand prize winning title. So follow them on Facebook and Twitter for updates when the contest will begin and how to enter. That's squareshooters.com. I was going to do this. I was going to do it until you stopped me, but then I realized you're not going to stop I'm not going to stop you. And we're back. Why would I stop you? You're on a roll. That's why there's butter on my pants. What? I'm on a roll. Butter on your pants. Gotcha. Did you get it? Yeah, that was... I thought it was funny. I don't know. <laughs> like a dinner roll, put some butter on it. Oh, I sat on a roll. Oh, You're on a roll. Yep. The okay, if I got to explain it, it's obviously not funny. Thanks for ruining it <laughs> for me. But we're back. We're back. And uh, so, um, all right. It's funny because we were uh, we were going to talk about you know tournaments and and hobby gaming because because the campaign's coming. And I know I've been saying it for a while, but it's like I've got it's it almost finished it. now. It's on the horizon. Yeah, I will be sending out the stuff to everybody to get critiques and finalize that everyone sort of agrees with the way it's going to play. I mean, I'm still writing it. I suppose I could just send out and say this is how it is. Right. But I want to send it out and make sure that nobody looks at anything. And, you know, sometimes you need an extra set of eyes. I don't want to miss something that's glaringly going to break the game that you're all like, wait, what are you guys do? What are you doing? Now, how many people are, are, is the tournament designed for? 
Uh, well, the campaign will be for six of us. Campaign will be yeah, the, six of us. Okay. Um, uh, Greg and Stephanie Marcotte, our friends. Uh, you, Grant, me, and the boy. Okay. And uh, I was going to actually sit out and run it, but I'm just going to play. You want to play? I want to play. Well, the thing is, I'm 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 putting together different scenarios and stuff too. And I mean, it's it's we're all friends, so you know I'm not going to just sit around and design scenarios so that I can win. Because honestly, <laughs> I'm going to be taking whatever the hell I. I mean, this is not. You don't have to win your battles to do well in this campaign. It, there, there's also you know taking land, you get bonuses. Winning the battles is like a side benefit that will get you extra stuff. But there's other ways to get. I'm curious to see the system plus, then, because I, yeah. I want to know if. If not winning a game per se, what are the other ways to get ahead? Uh, basically, you're going to have three armies: your main army and two auxiliary armies, like under lieutenants. And I say lieutenants instead of lieutenants because it's very British. And um, when you move, you can just take instead of like in in Mighty Empires where you get points to take tiles. Here, when you move, if you move into unoccupied tiles, you can take them. It's just okay. through your regular movement. So as moving around, the more tiles you get, the more chances you get to find ancient artifacts, which is what you want to get. Very cool. So just basically uh, moving around uh, helps. Then there's other strategies. We'll talk about this more next episode. But I'd like strategies like if you if you find a uh, if you get one of the places that actually is like a location that has like special benefits, mm-hmm. you can garrison that place with one of your smaller units, you know, to to defend it. So if someone goes to take it. You know, you can actually defend it better. Yeah, bit. hold sure. it better. But then you give up that I'm. You're no longer moving around and picking up more tiles okay. and getting more points. So there's there's different balances and trade offs. Well, I look forward to seeing it. I'm basically one of the things I want to do with this campaign, and as, as far as the show goes, is to show people that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't. There's very few things in here that I've made up whole cloth. But it sounds like you have. But maybe it's just the, the impression that I'm getting. I'm basically going through the General's Compendium that yeah. Grant gave me a couple of years back. Yeah. Uh, I'm going through that Storm of uh, Storm of Magic, uh, Blood in the Badlands, that Lizard Men camp, the Lustria campaign that that yeah. the guy sent to me. I just cherry picked anything that looked good and did a mash, Bro, and I made cool. my own campaign. And th- th- that's all. You, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to. Now, me being the type of guy who likes to write rules, I'm trying to. Add other the, tailor it, yeah, construct it. But for the most part, it's it's kind of blood in the badlands with my own little twists. Cool. So it's I think it'll be fun. But basically, you know, it's 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 another hobby campaign. So you can win without winning all your games. You can still win through some strategy and tactics and getting. Crumb. So look at that. So hobby campaign. We talk about that. We talk about uh-huh. tournaments. Yep. Talk about hobbies, kind right. of an all-encompassing. Uh... Try- we're trying to, um, and we- <laughs> okay, I know I'm laying out pretty thick. Well, we're being a little snarky, and it's but basically here's here's where we're coming from, folks. Is that uh, you know we decided to talk about this as the campaign's coming, and I I did I got an email from a listener who um, uh, basically said him and his gaming group have he's basically he's the last person in his gaming group that listens to our podcast. Uh, we used to be two guys in the basement doing wacky things. Uh, you know, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I don't want to. You, you can paraphrase. I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I'm not. And, I'm, and uh, this. And I'm not. I'm not reading this out to shame the person or to beat up on the person. It's it's a legitimate thing. I, you know, I found it to be constructive. Yeah, it's constructive. The way he frames it, it was, it's a very mm-hmm. constructive email. Uh, but basically, it was. Uh, you know, he feels like. 
we're talking about tournaments and we're talking about a lot of stuff. It basically says if you don't live in the Midwest and know all the people that we talk about and that it that the, the show doesn't have anything for him. Basically, he feels a little left out and uh, he says a lot of people whose names don't mean anything to him, jokes that he doesn't get since he's not on Twitter and a bunch of tournament reports like the ones we just did right. that don't mean anything to him because they don't play tournaments. They're just hobby gamers, a group of hobby gamers. Garage gamers, basically. Yeah. yeah. He said, basically, ever since you started playing in bigger tournaments, the podcast has gone downhill for them. It used to be about guys in the basement or the local club taking different lists, trying wacky stuff. Mm-hmm. Always Battles and armies were different. And they were. When, we first, when Christopher and I and Harrison were first doing this, even right before we started doing the podcast, and this is true, I mean, I had five armies total. And I would never play the same army twice just because I had all these different armies and we wanted to play. Sure. Even Christopher would come over and say, well, I'll play with your orcs. You know, okay, cool. And he'd write up a list and okay. we'd play. And, you know, you'd have you'd hear stories about, like, the crazy, the the, 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 the goblins who would roll a six and charge the, the, the dragon. The demon or whatever. You know, right? and, and would never run. And they, you know, insane courage again, break tests. Yeah, yeah. Lots of fun, fluffy stuff, which we don't do as often, and, and they miss that. It says, now I just seem to care more about my tournament score and fluff has gone to the side. Look at the latest episodes, and you'll see that they're almost all about tournaments or getting ready for tournaments. And then we were talking about an American Masters, right? Which, by the way, I'm never qualifying and going to the American <laughs> Masters. I, the thing with the Masters, and I, I do want to address this quickly, is yes, I'm going to promote it. I'm going to have Jerry Parsley on here pretty soon. He's going to come on the show hopefully next episode and talk about what they've planned because I think it's cool. I, I mean, I used to, when I listened, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to get more into the game outside of me, Christopher, and Harrison was listening to Podhammer. And they would have all these tournaments and all these weird comp scores and all these things I'd never heard of. And then it's like, oh, we go into the Masters and we're getting involved. I'm like, that sounds cool. Like, you know, these guys playing. Part of the bigger tapestry of, of the game, right? There, there's, there's a lot more to this game than just playing in the basement. And which is fun. Which basement is, gaming is great. It's, it's my favorite part of it. But there's just other things, and honestly, Christopher and I, the first year, all we talked about was dwarfs and, and dark elves and playing yeah. in our basement. And eventually, you got to move on from that. Well, I think or, the variety in opponents and the variety of the games right. only enhances your experience. Right. It says, you still call yourselves basement gamers? Sure, you played a mini campaign once. Is that enough? Well, yeah, actually it is. You know, I don't get a lot of gaming in, and for two months, the only games I got in were campaign games. So, yeah, I think that in the last two and a half years, we've had three Mighty Empires campaigns, two of which I ran, that we all played. Steve ran the other one. Right. We're running, I mean, we're running this campaign that I'm running, which is not necessarily, I haven't decided if it's going to run a turn limit or if we're just going to play. Sure. So. We had our club challenge. The club challenge, which is, was it? It's not a tournament per se. It know, was, it's, a, it's a group of guys playing another group of guys. Which I think is really cool. One I of the things I like, I like about that, that is these are guys we don't normally play. They always play each other. We always play each other. Now let's, let's go mix and, it up and let's play mix against, it up and yeah. play against each other and see who does best. And really, honestly, the, it's what do we play for? We played for bragging rights. Pretty and, much. And Alex bought a trophy. You know, God, wasn't it Alex who bought yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, he sprung for the trophy. You know, and which, which, which Harrison now has. Which Harrison had. <laughs> which is was a completely unnecessary thing, uh, but, but I guess, it was so nice, and yeah. it was just for bragging rights and for having fun. I, I bet you, um, you know, if you do have a, a group of garage gamers out there and you play, you know, within your your group of five or six or whatever, if you can manage to find another group out there similar to yours and play against each other, I guarantee you, 
everyone will have a good time. Because it's a different, it's, it's a different, different list, different yeah. play styles. It's like, I know your play style and you know mine, which is why our games always turn into chess matches. Not as, not as of late, but. <laughs> okay. Outside of what we've played for the show, you win. It's like when we play, yeah. but, but apparently when it comes to playing for the show. The show for some that, reason, for I, some, I get jinxed. Yeah. But, but if you have another group that you can play against, it, it puts a different spin on things. You know, you go out and you do things like this, and you meet other people, mm. and it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, what does all this have to do with anything? Um, it's, it's funny because this came up, and then I went to the tournament, and then when I put up <laughs> you, that I won. Now you're a tournament winner. Not only that, but then I, I some of the tweets came back. I know the guy, uh, Akeldemore, I always say it wrong on, uh, on, mm. on Twitter. Yep. He put, uh, you can't, you can't call the show Garage Hammer anymore now that you're a tournament winner. Right. I was like, really? And then, uh, uh, Ben Curry was like, congrats. And then in hashtags, he put White Tech's changed. And then another hashtag, RIP White Tech. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know. Um, You're reborn. Yeah, but you know what? There's and this is and I said, why don't we just talk about this? Because there is, there's obviously a difference between basement gaming and tournament gaming. But right. I think you can have a happy medium in them. Um, and I think I'm kind of the, the the example. I know Christopher and I have always been gamers. Mm. I mean, I've only played this for five years, but I've been a gamer my whole life. Sure. We've always been gamers. We play to win. You know. Um, when we started playing this, I yes, I take the choices I want. I play to have fun, but I always play my game to win. Like, well, that doesn't make you competitive. Mm-hmm. And I guess by that definition, I'm still not a competitive player. But I like meeting new people. I like meeting new players. Well, you know, it's a fine line because years ago there was a, a gentleman, Marty Gaska, who used to run Adepticon. Many you, right. you know, people might know know the name. So Marty used to run tournaments out of his house. And it was you'd go there, and it was literally in his basement. I mean, he had a huge basement, all the armies, you know, he he had uh-huh. there, and it's basically you know big, a big group of friends playing in this guy's basement. That happened to be a tournament, so I, you can have a tournament and be a, gas, uh, a, a garage basement mm-hmm. gamer at the same time. It's very close. Even something like Wapaka, imagine like eighty or ninety, however many players they have in just one gigantic basement, and you're 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 buds with everybody. That's basically what it is. Right, and um. I mean, granted, now, if you don't... Maybe maybe they don't have exposure to tournaments, or maybe their tournaments are, are well, limited, and I don't limited make, to, like, game store tournaments. And, and I don't want to make this whole segment about this email. I just It's funny that we got this right when we were thinking about talking about this, and then all the... I mean, yeah. all these things happened that sort of fed into well, this Well, I think the, the point is, is there a distinction between a garage gamer and a tournament gamer? Yeah, but I think it's a very fine line. Right. And, you know, like I said, I've been playing now for about five years, and I only do tournaments for like three months out of the year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've been kind of talking about it quite a bit. But I guess I, I've never, I just, I never considered that I'm more of a tournament player than a hobby player. Uh, I've always considered myself a hobby player, you know, uh, because I go and I have fun, but I think anybody who looks at any of my lists that I've taken to any of these tournaments, even to even the bits where I did pretty good, yeah, that's not a. I didn't take. I mean, your, I took your classic tournaments, right? Yeah. Uh, I I take what I like, and I take stuff to have fun. Um, I will say this, and we had talked about this before. Uh, I was going to tournaments just with anything, not kind of caring, doing my best to play. I'm always right around the middle. If there's sure. five games, I'm going to win two, maybe three of them. That's it. That's what I do. 
And I just, I don't care. I go to have a good time. I win some, I lose some, and right. I have fun. And I, I like reporting on them because it's it's cool and they're fun games. Um, yes, it's true. In a tournament setting, I'm going to make less crazy choices. Sure. Although I did catch myself, at you know, when I had 25 Grave Guard against 36 Temple Guard and a Slan and a BSB, you know. <laughs> Uh, I re- I actually said, uh, you know what? I looked at it and said, you got to bet heavy to win heavy. I need mm. those banners. You know, and this, you know, I did. I made the crazy sure. charge, and it wound up paying off. Uh, you don't do that as much. I see. I I I didn't catch myself doing that much at the Depticon. Well, it, it, it's hard to force those situations, but they do happen. They do happen. Yeah, yeah. I think during the course of the game, those crazy situations, those funny stories, you know, they do right. pop up. You don't want to make a crazy, really risky move sometimes at a tournament. And part of it is, you know. You go and you're paying for a hotel, and you're paying to get there, mm. and you're playing, and you know you want to you want to do you want to maximize well. your time and yeah, your, your you, dollar. I yeah, guess. yeah, I mean yeah. you don't want to do something stupid just because it's fluffy or would be fun. You know sure. you don't want to make a crazy move. Um, but really, what sort of made me, I guess, start to practice more for tournaments, and I think that's where, at least in the show, when you're hearing it more, you heard a, more, a lot. There was a lot more prep in this last year's batch of shows. Than in the previous two years. We've been doing this now for three years. Right. Well, there was no tournaments the first year. Second year, it's like, oh, we're going. You oh, we got our butts kicked. Yeah. Right. And then in the third year, it's like, well, I'm prepping because, and this is what happened was when I went to Adepticon and went one and four and, you know, lost in 28 minutes to the mm-hmm. ringer and just, I got stomped. And it's really hard. I, I, I was miserable. I wanted to quit after the first day. I didn't want to play the second day. I said, there are so many things here at Adepticon I could go do. Right. I'm not having any fun. That's yeah, easy to and, get disheartened. And it wasn't It wasn't that I wasn't having fun in, with the players. It was just, I would sit there and for three hours get pounded. Right. I got pounded. You know? And it was just, it was kind of a miserable time. I couldn't do anything right. Nothing worked. And it, 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 it it was hard. It, yeah, it really was. And, and I, I don't sure. want to be a sore loser. I really don't. Still think of myself as a garage gamer. But after playing this game for four or five years, playing with you, playing with Alex, playing with uh, more more players than just the three of us, I was exposed to more play styles. I was exposed to playing more games from people who knew the rules a little better. I learned more tactics. I am a much better player. Was that process more fun for you? Was that avenue fun for you? Just play. Well, yeah. I mean, just playing. Yeah. I mean, because you don't want to play stupid or get beat up. <laughs> That's a part of the true. And as I'm learning to play better now, and I know tactics. Yeah, there's there's a there's a difference. I'm going. Uh, you know, like I said, I went to Adepticon with what I thought was a soft and fluffy list, and it was, and it was so soft and fluffy that I just I couldn't do anything, and that wasn't any fun either. And I actually right. asked, should I just take something hard as nails to go and see? Can I compete at those top levels? Do I have the skill in the game? Because I still, in my heart, I'm a guy who just likes to play games. And mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, you should. And it was funny. Grant said no, and you said yes. You're like, just do it. Why not? Um, I, I still think you sh- you could. Yeah, I could. And you know what? And I I've, I've kind of come to the decision that I don't I don't think I'm gonna because it, I think you should take one hard as nails list just once, just to just to say that you've done it. Yeah, maybe it, just it, for the experience. And but the thing is. You know, most of the tournaments I go to are not take a hard as nails list either. You know, bits isn't about hard as nails. Yeah, but that doesn't. Paca that's not a hard, not. steadfast rule, that's, right? 
And 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 I might sometime, but it's like after Adepticon, I didn't want to go to playing more tournaments after that year. Like I when in fact when we went to the primers this year and go into the practices and stuff, right? I I was physically ill before going. Like I was just that, I remember that, that. Yeah, I, that the I, primer at the bunker. You were not. Doing I was too well. I had I had a migraine because I was so wound up because I was like I just because of that. You know the pressure of the tournament. I, a little bit, I think. I part of it is. I mean, and I, maybe part of it is just we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want to get on and be like, hey, I completely suck and don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's, it is. It's a little embarrassing to get on. There is some pressure. Oh, oh, there's, almost, there's almost that pressure like when you actually play a game on the air and you get your butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> there is some pressure there, too. But I digress. <laughs> well, back to the, this gentleman's yeah. email. I, I don't want to belabor too much. But, right. uh, you know, he feels that the show has... Mm, I don't want to say gone down in quality, but changed in focus for him somewhat. That we're just not garage gamers anymore. I have have to disagree. It it basically said we're just another tournament podcast. I mean, it literally... See, see, to me, a tournament podcast is, you know, bad dice in its heyday. Right. Not so much now. It still pretty much is the tournament podcast. Uh Uh-huh. Heel and Hammer to an extent. In the U.S. Point uh, Hammered guys are always at tournaments and stuff like that, too. Point Hammered. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. You, there's a, there is a fine line and I really feel that you can be a basement gamer like me and go, I mean, look at Wayne. Wayne is a total, Wayne Kemp is a total hobby gamer who goes right. to tournaments yep. and doesn't, he's there just to have a good time and show off his army sure. and how he painted it. And that's, and that's a completely legitimate thing. I just, um, I, I just basically, I think I got to a point where I got a little bit tired of paying money to go to tournaments and just get my head kicked in. I'm just I'm not used to Well, you to want that. to improve. Yeah. That's and, the fun and, part, right? That, yeah. Is to improve. It's it's weird. It's I, I, I feel almost like I sound kinda conceited or like I don't want to come across as like you know, pardon me as a but it's like, you know, I, I'm I'm learning how to play better. I wanna play better and I should be playing better and part of it is it's it is. It's embarrassing to get on the mic and keep going, Yeah, I came in last. Yeah, I, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. Basically, and it's like, I don't get on this mic and pretend to be the font of Warhammer knowledge. I don't get on this mic and pretend to be some Warhammer guru or Warhammer master. No, we just we just go through the, you know, the but games I, and play and report on what happened. And Yeah, but I also don't want to be, to, I don't want to come across like I'm a complete joke either. <laughs> like, you sure. know. Well, no, I think everyone understands it's a learning process. It's a growing yeah. process. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be a complete chump, you yeah, know, right, and just, right. it's, you know. So, but, you know, you get better and you play against more people and, and we have, we've grown into a part of the community. It's hard not to. You let, me do ask, this. let me ask you this. Do you think someone who started off as a garage gamer goes out and joins the tournament scene, do you think any of those people would then say, uh, Tournament scene's not for me. I'm just going to go back to the my basement. I suppose there are those people out there. But I think if that's the case, they're not being exposed to the right people, atmosphere, okay. experience. I don't know anybody who has gone to tournaments, win or lose, that have been decent tournaments and have come out and said, this isn't for me. I'm going back to my basement. The only thing that I think would equate to that would be those old Hard Boys tournaments. Yes. Those were a real turnoff. You know, in most places, I think that every tournament scene is try- tries to promote fun play. Right. You know, and I don't know what it's like. I've never played in the UK, but from what I listen to, it sounds like they try to promote fun play. Mm-hmm. And if you're promoting fun play, I mean, 
that's what happened. My first big tournament, well, actually, my first tournament was at UGG, and I got one point the entire <laughs> game because there was on a 20 nil scale. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> I was smashed. Harrison did better. Harrison pounded on me. Everybody beat me. Um, but then we went to core comp and I, I actually took third at core comp mm-hmm. that year. I, you know, I was, you know, through points and things, but it wasn't even about that. It was like, I met different players. I saw different armies. I got inspired for the hobby. Seeing Marty Gaska's, uh, you know, oh, Brit- candy land. the Candyland army, Bretonian the Bretonians yeah. with all the candy, uh, all their shields had the different Candyland yeah, pictures yeah. and stuff. I'm like, wow, that's really something different. And I met a bunch of nice people. And then when I went to Adepticon that year, I saw some of those same people. I was like, oh, hey. And so you start making friends. You start meeting more people. Why would you not want to do that, I guess, is my question. You can be a hobby gamer. I've gone to tournament. I went to this one with a list that was substandard, mm-hmm. going to play for fun. You know, people taking giants and people taking this and people taking that. You know, because, you you know, you can pick and choose the types of tournaments you go to. But just after having gone to it, yeah, I'm 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 a different player than I was three years ago. I still think I'm a garage gamer. I think in my heart, I would much rather sit and have the tournament and the story unfold and put it all up on the forums sure, like we did right, with the like, yeah. campaigns. To me, that's the greatest. You know, the cinematic effect. You know, forging the narrative, creating all the, the story. Yeah, exactly. The Jervis Johnson. Just have fun. If you can't dissolve, decide it. Roll a dice. Just keep playing. Right. That's me, you know? Yeah, I, I'm the same. But you can do that and go to tournaments because it's just, it's it, it's what you bring to it, I think. And so, I, you know, you can hear the horror stories. You can hear about the people fighting and the people cheating and you hear about loaded dice and you yeah, hear that's about... that's such a minority in well, terms I mean, of but you hear, Yeah, it, it is. Right? It's such a small thing. And like I said, I just, I don't know anyone who went to a tournament... That was a that was a tournament that was really geared for fun and not just geared for face stomping. Right. I, I I don't even. Can you name one now that Ard Voice is gone? Can you name one tournament you know of that's just bring your heart as nails list? Who cares and and just stomp? I don't think you know. The, so grand tournaments. I don't think that. I mean, I haven't been to all of them, so I can't say nationally. But I don't think there are any tournaments out there that encourage that type of play. But I think people who have not been on the tournament scene, you know, when they when they hear the word tournament, mm-hmm. I think they're expecting, you know, organized play where it's all about victory and, you know, it's all about the true competitive nature of it. And that's not necessarily the case. Dude, I was playing against Johnny uh, two years ago at Adepticon. And uh, it was at the end. Neither of us was going to win. We were playing. We stopped in the middle of our game. He went out to have a smoke. I ordered a pizza. Mm-hmm. The pizza came. We took another break during the game, got the pizza, sat down, finished our game while eating, you know, just people hanging out, talking with us. It's like a social event. And, uh, you know, can you still be a garage gamer and be plugged into the Warhammer community? Absolutely. Why not? Why wouldn't you want to be? I mean, you know, there's so many ideas out there, so many people bouncing around ideas, getting through their stuff. Oh, look what I've painted. Look what I've done. And if you, if you, connect to that it it just makes your hobby better I, I think that garage gamers benefit in their garage gaminess by going to these Dude, big organized I events i agree just for the you get, you get new ideas new inspiration yeah yeah new ways to play new ways to paint yeah i, I mean you know and granted like i said you, you you know you hear the horror stories 
But why do you hear about them? Because it stands out like a sore thumb because it is so against the norm. The norm. I think these things, these two things, the hobby gaming versus the uh, tournament gaming, and actually we set this up as hobby versus tournament. That's not what this talk about is about at right, all. Right. It's really that they they work together so well. If you're a hobby gamer and you're into you your... You both. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I think I think that the biggest part where you come into problems is when you get people who are playing in their basement, and if if you're making up your own house rules or changing things and making your own sort of comp, and then you go to tournaments. I remember the first time, uh, our, our, the first tournament UGG where I got stomped. Uh, you know, the guys who were playing were actually really nice to us because you know Harrison and I had a bunch of the rules wrong right, because right. we played down here and this is what we knew, and I think that could if you are playing with a bunch of friends who are really just having fun and don't have your rules tight, then you go to a tournament and you're like, well, I'm going to do this. The opponent's like, no, you can't. Right. And you get that a couple of times in the same game. I could see that feeling like a bit of a negative experience to a person. Uh, true, but if you know if there are rules you're getting wrong, you know it makes you a better player. In the if end. you're honest about it, you know, like I said, I was playing with this guy and I was getting rules wrong every turn. And he just kept correcting me, and I was very apologetic because I felt like an idiot. Mm. And he was very patient. He's like, listen, I know you're not trying to cheat. You just don't get it. And he was very nice. And I walked out of there a better player who knew the rules better, but who still was there having a fun, good time. And I I, I just, I, I don't see why they have to be exclusive. You know, remember your friend that you played with, Brad Pascal? Yeah. I remember he he and I played a game a long time, a couple years ago, when I had first met him. And I remember in the course of conversation, I said, oh, there's a there's a tournament coming up. Do you think you might go? And he, he was like, no, nah, that, that sort of competitive play really doesn't doesn't interest me at all. He's never been to a tournament, and he won't go. But that's the thing. I Knowing him as I do, mm-hmm. not as well as you do, of course, but and the people that are at these tournaments, I think if he eventually did make his way there, I think it would be like Nirvana for him. Like, oh my god, these pe- these people are so nice. We all share the same passion for this hobby. If he were to, if he were to make it there, I think he'd realize like, oh, this is a great community. You know, Harrison. There's a kid who is not ultra competitive. He was at Invasion Kenosha with me, and what did he take? He t- what did he take in his list? Whatever models he had painted. Sure, right. You know, he 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 wrote his list, and then he had to call you because we don't have our eagles painted. He's like, I need a couple eagles sure, and a couple yeah, of, yeah. a couple of spearmen. He just was running short. But he's just like, he didn't care. He went one and two, and he had a blast, and he didn't care. And it's because why? Because he got to go and play with people he never met, play against armies and builds he never sees. He's like, how else am I gonna get better? I mean, Be exposed, I, yeah. if getting, I I think that's the key. If getting better means nothing to you. Then maybe you don't need to go to the tournament. See, yeah. I don't think it's only about that though. It's about being exposed to again what how people are painting, new techniques, new ideas for display boards or you know object source lighting. You get to see that stuff in person. And and that's and that's something that so many people miss because if you don't want to go, I mean, you could argue it both ways. That uh, you know, if I'm playing in my basement, what do I need a display board for? Or if I'm playing in my, I mean, remember Christopher and I played for a year and we didn't have any painted models. True, but you know, it's such a visual hobby. Yeah. That it's almost you know even if I'm not I'm not as bad as Conzi I'm not doing the whole I won't put an unpainted model on the table in 2013, but now that I have a couple of painted armies, when I do have to pull out a bunch of unpainted stuff, it's kind of an eyesore, right? I look at I'm like I need to I need to paint that yeah, yeah. I need to get that done. Well, the hobby calls for it. It's a, it's a visual game, you know. 
We're not we're not playing with cardboard cutouts here. It's exactly. Miniatures. I'm not you know I'm not just pushing around movement trays with a label right. saying this right. is what's in right. here. You know. So, but that, those are the types of things that I think tournament gaming, competitive gaming, being more that type of game. That's that's the fringe benefits. Mm. Well, to bring it back to his email, I, I do think, in my opinion, in the end, we, you know, we do talk about tournaments a little bit, but I, at at our hearts. I'm sure you feel the same way. We still are garage gamers. I, yes. For me, I yes. just don't have the time or the, the budget, frankly, to go to all the tournaments that I would like to to become oh, no. a hardcore tournament player. So, you know, I've got to compromise and be a little bit of both. It's one of the reasons I never cared about Rankings HQ, which, although I thought it was neat and it was fun to see where you were. It was fun to kind of see. I knew I'd never be at the top, though, because I go to three tournaments a year and they rank you out of your top four. Right. You know, so it's already there. But I really... I mean, to try to bring this around and wrap it up so we can get done and go home. I don't think there's any real distinction between a hobby gamer and a tournament. There can be. There are some people who are pure hobby. Brad, who won't go to a tournament, just has no desire to play in anything. He just doesn't have the desire to play in anything that's even competitive. It's not even that it's hardcore competitive. He just likes to play a relaxed, laid-back game and take a break and go have a sandwich and just play. And Brad it, Pascal you're talking Brad about. Brad Pascal, okay. yeah. Um, I thought you were talking about Brad Schwant. I'm like, oh, no, 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 Brad. No, no. <laughs> no. And he's almost the exact opposite. Right. He goes to compete. You know, he's interesting because he grinds through the hobby in order to compete. Yes. You know what I mean? And he actually does a pretty good job on the hobby side. Oh, and I'm not saying, you know what, he's almost a bad example for the other end of the spectrum from Brad Pascal because I've, I've met other people who are really, I mean, you meet them, and I've seen people at tournaments who are, you know, they're, they're there to play and they're there to win and they're only pleasant when they're winning. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I, I've been. And, but they are, they are the real exception, but they are that other extreme. Right. You know, and I think most of us really fall in the middle. I don't think there's a huge difference between a hobby gamer and a tournament gamer. Yes, you could say a tournament gamer who's going there to win is going to be more competitive. You know, I don't think you're more serious, more serious about that game and that win, but that doesn't mean you're having a bad time and that doesn't mean you're not having fun playing. It's a mix, and you can totally be a garage gamer seven months out of the year and then go into tournament mode for a few months, play. Honestly, if I hadn't gotten mud-stomped at Adepticon two years ago, the prep that we've been doing this year probably wouldn't have happened for me hmm. because I just went to have oh, fun. That really affected you Dude, more I than had, I, than I, I had thought. no fun that weekend. No. I got beat miserably. Like People were coming up to me like 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 I was getting made fun of, and it was all in good uh-huh. fun, and I know yeah, that. Yeah. But that's rough when you're down. I went there to spend a weekend, and I met my friends, and I was doing stuff, but there were so many other things over there I could have been doing. Sure. Like There were some friends that said, dude, why are you going to do in the championships? Why don't you come play Blood Bowl, play this, play that? We know you like Warhammer, but there's so many other things to do. I had Spencer Stevens from uh, from Cheated Face Radio. Uh, why don't you come play in the Malifaux tournament? I would have loved to play at the Malifaux tournament, yeah. you know? But no, I committed two full days to Warhammer. To Warhammer, and it was from like nine in the morning till nine at night. <laughs> Drooling. <laughs> and I was getting my face punched in. And then at the end of the day, it was like, well, I'm coming back tomorrow for more of this. And it was like, it wasn't so, you know, and I, I got, honest to God, guys, those of you listen, I am not a sore loser. Anyone who knows me knows I am not a sore loser. If, you know, there's times that, you know, I could, I could be a little miserable when I'm getting sure. pounded. But it was just that whole that I could be doing other things other than just sitting here and holding a place. Right. And then, and then, well, and then getting the, 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 what was it, the 12 or the 10 on my pain score? That, that was, was the final that, kick yeah, in the yeah. ding ding. I was just like <laughs> done with it from that, you know? 
Uh, and it did. It really, it, it really, it really kind of affected yeah. me, I guess. And, um, well, you've bounced back. I mean, you've come a long way since then. Well, to and, your credit. And part of it is I've, I, well, that's what I'm doing. I, I practiced because, you know, I'm not going there. And I know people tell me, I know Alex always says he hates what he hear when I say this. I don't have any delusions that I'm going to go to Adepticon and win that tournament. Just, I know the level of play that's going there, and I don't play at that level. I don't even have the concentration to sit there and just be that focused because right. I'm having too much fun being there, you know? So I don't go to those huge tournaments playing to win, but I want to see how well I can do. I think if you go in, and I've, I've played against people who don't know the rules in the past year, yeah. and if they come up and like, you know, I'm kind of new to this and stuff, you can help them. But I know I had one game, and I'm never, I'm not going to name the person. I'm not even going to name the tournament. Right, one game for a person who didn't know the rules and insisted they knew the rules. It's hard to play against someone who you can't even get your game in because they don't know how to play, and they literally are getting all these things wrong. And so for me, it was I needed to get to be a better player because I think if I go there, and yes, you get an easy win off me because I'm a chump and I don't know my own rules. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, you're paying your money to go too, and especially if you're a little competitive, you'd like to. I I, I think there's someone like we said, like Brad, who is a competitive player, okay? Or there's other. I mean, I know Mike Gerald is a competitive player. Right. He was there. Yep. I think he'd have much more fun. I think he would admit it's more fun to play against someone who gave you a run for your money than someone who's just has no idea what they're doing and sure. you just of course. push them out of the way. I was the guy who didn't know what he was doing, and I. It, it wasn't fun for me, and I don't think it's fun for my opponents. I mean, seriously. I mean, I played, I'm granted, Grant was the ringer, and he beat me in 28 minutes, and we were done. But that game wasn't any fun for him either. He felt bad at the end, you know? He was like, I'm sorry. You know, that was terrible. So I think I think working at it and being a better player actually is good for for the whole thing, for your opponents, for everything. Sure. But we've gone on too long. I promise you we'd be done 20 minutes ago. So... Um, let's uh, let's break and come back and wrap up the show. Hey, Dave, I'm looking for a place to play some Warhammer. Family games, board games? You mean unmatched awards and adventure? Sure. A place with collectible and trading card games, RPGs, unusual gifts? You mean unparalleled offerings and fun? Okay. And it'd be great if they had books, candles, and collectibles, too. Particular presents and playtime? You're looking for unique gifts and games! Okay, but... uh, Located in historic downtown Grays Lake, Illinois... UGG caters to gamers of all types. Okay, but miniature games, board games, card games, yeah. Doctor Who, all right, but things supernatural. I understand. It's but all here. Okay, but with listen. frequently scheduled events, open gaming, a clean and friendly atmosphere. Okay, stop by UGG or or, or visit them yeah. online at uniquegg.com. You could have just told me about unique gifts and games. Individualized endowments and festivities, essential awards and diversions, one-of-a-kind presents and happy fun time. All right, that's enough. (laughs) 
and we are back. Okay, folks. Um, wow. I hope this wasn't just ramble. <laughs> you know? well, a lot of that will depend on how much is edited. <laughs> well, um, no, but I mean, <laughs> but it was a valid, you know, criticism. I mean, the podcast has definitely evolved. Yes, and changed. I mean, it's changing now. And I hope this wasn't just us, you know. I'm not, I don't know how this sounds. I didn't want to come on and, and just justify the podcast, basically, for no, I don't 40 think, minutes. I don't think that's, we, I mean, it's a distinction between tournament gamer, hobby gamer, is it one and the same, maybe? How has the show changed? So, right. you know, it's, and we it's have, an all-encompassing discussion. Right? I think the show's gotten better. I think that we're a little more on the mark, that people can listen to this show and actually get some tips and things, whereas in the beginning... We got a lot of you don't know what you're talking about. So hopefully you enjoyed this. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm not certain what's going to be next. Well, we're going to talk about your campaign. I'm looking forward to hearing yeah. and seeing those rules. We will be talking about the campaign. Uh, we also, Jerry Parsley wanted to come on. Okay. And um, a bunch of the guys from the Circle City Circuit, like Jeff wanted to come on with maybe with uh, Gary Luther oh, and cool. with... Ryan Boaz and a couple of those the guys from that whole circuit want yeah, to come yeah. on and talk about stuff they've been doing. Okay. And um, I mean, that's another thing. I love having them on. I think that the circuit, the groups of tournaments, getting players from all over yeah, yeah. and getting, running it out. Getting exposure. What are they up to? How are they running things? It's just, it gives me more ideas, yeah. Yeah. you know. So we're going to have that up in the next few episodes, and we're going to have a lizard review soon enough. There you go. So, um, folks, thanks for listening, and uh, if you can leave us an iTunes review... We would like it. That would be good. Uh, but more importantly, honestly, more important than iTunes reviews, more important than going and buying stuff from the store, which if you do, God bless you. If you want some, gar- we got new Garage Hammer shirts up with the new logos finally. Uh, more important than any of that, come and join our forums. Please, jo- yeah, join the community. Please, you know. Voice your opinion on this episode. Yeah. Show us what you've been painting. Tell us about your games, your campaigns. We've got the hobby challenge. We've got a decent, we've got a decent community going. Oh, and don't forget, what was the thing we asked them to tell? In the, oh yeah, don't forget, episode seventy-seven show thread. Do I sound like Alan Alda? Yes or no? Let's. Find out. <laughs> I don't see it at all. I don't either. But whatever, man. I mean, what you know? So what? So I'll I'll say I'm Alan Alda for five, ten more episodes, and then I'll become somebody else <laughs> in the beginning of the show. Okay. There's there's. Hey, man, there's like 20 million people in the world. I could be anybody. So it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. All right. Wait, wait, no more Alan Alda. Voice that opinion, please. <laughs> Does it really bug you that I say I'm Alan Alda? Only because it's so not like anywhere close. That's true. I guess Abraham Lincoln. You could yell your Abraham Lincoln. That's just like you're being silly. But saying right. I'm Alan Alda is a little too close to home. It is very strange. All right, so folks, uh, see you in a couple of weeks with um, with more stuff, campaign stuff, wizard thing, Warhammer goodness. So, looking forward to it. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer. Follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at GarageHammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.
it's like I was in a band, okay, and I can't sing in a anymore. Band or an acapella group? No, I was in a band. I was in a punk that's, rock that's band. Different. Okay, but the, just the fact that I mean, these guys have such great what voices. What's the name of your band? Expiration date. Okay. Our whole plan was if we ever got a record deal, there was four of us in the band, and the first four albums, the titles of the albums, would be our birth dates. See, so you'd have like a picture of milk and be expiration date, and then it would have someone's, they would have a, that date on it. Clever. That was, yeah, well, of course, we had all these plans and we sucked. <laughs> but uh, I was actually lead vocalist. And I say vocalist because we didn't sing because we were a punk rock band. Sure. Um, but a lot of yelling. Screaming for like a solid year. I actually tore up my vocal cords and I can't sing I anymore. I can see that. Can we get a little sample? No. Come on. No. <laughs> if I, I, I have a cassette tape One, two, somewhere three, of the band four. stuff. No. No, no, no. I know you want to. Yes, but no. 